Welcome on in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Jones Report. Tyler Jones here with you. So glad to have you with us today. Coming up here in just a few minutes, going to be joined by NASCAR driver David Starr as we'll preview this weekend's race at Kansas Speedway. Also going to make a big announcement about a new partnership with David that we'll be telling you about coming up later on in the show. So look forward to that coming up on today's edition of the Jones Report. Reminder, as always, subscribe to the show on Apple, Spotify, and Google Play. Leave us a five-star review. Got new episodes out each and every Monday and Thursday. And Thomas Bridges is here with me today. Tom, what's going on, man? Oh, you know, just living another crazy week in this COVID. Uh, wishing Oklahoma State played this week. Was looking forward to that and potentially was thinking about going down to Waco. Uh, but now things have changed. So Baylor, COVID again. I mean, they need to get kicked out of the Big 12. I could go on and on. We can talk about that later, but... Yeah, it's uh, nothing to look forward to this weekend. Doesn't feel like strike three with Baylor. Um, it does. Like we were saying with COVID involving the NFL, that the teams that were the most poorly run were going to be the ones that had the outbreaks and the issues and such. It seems pretty on brand that the one school in the Big 12 that has the biggest COVID issues is, in fact, the University of Baylor. I'm not shocked, honestly. I'm, not, I'm just not shocked. No, no, not at all. And there's, there's nothing in Waco really even to do. So, I mean, maybe that's why it's like closer together and getting COVID and stuff. I mean, they let all the players at the from the KU game when they played KU down there. I mean, they let all the all the fans shake hands with the players as they normally do, I guess. And all, they had a picture. None of the players had masks on, obviously. And none of the fans did really either. And there was no social distancing, none of that. Right. I mean, welcome to Waco. <laughs> yeah. No kidding. Uh, so that's unfortunate. You don't get to see your Cowboys this weekend. I'm going to be out at Kansas Speedway for a little NASCAR action. Rubbins racing. We're going to have some fun out there. Uh, for uh, that one, and uh, we'll talk more with uh, David about that. But this one's going to be a little bit different. 10,000 fans in attendance on Sunday. No practice in qualifying. Better than what we had back in July with no fans involved uh, for that one. But nonetheless, I'm excited. Playoff race. Um, you know, the, the theme that I've said with all this, with this COVID stuff, Tom, in the circumstances we're in, is you take what you can get, and you just enjoy it all, and it might not be ideal, but it is what it is. And, you know, we've had some great memories at Kansas Speedway over the years, you and I have, of you getting, you know, access right up front to, to pit road and doing victory lane interviews and having a good time, probably doing some things that we can't discuss on this show, too, while we're at the racetrack, uh, <laughs> being some places we probably – weren't supposed to be but nonetheless i'm just fortunate just grateful just to have what we got going on this weekend anyway uh no matter what it is even if it lacks what we normally see i'll take it and i'm not going to complain about it right and and you get to see clint boyer's last race at kansas speedway i mean you're in for a historic one 
Oh, man. I, Clint's a guy that this is a situation. I, I wish things were normal, obviously. But can you imagine if for Clint's last race he would have actually gotten to be around the fans and be in the infield? I mean, that would have just been part in all night long. That would have been a sight to see. That would have been. And it's, I'm sure, I mean, it's not like he's not going to be back. I mean, he's not going to be driving. Right. But it's not like he's not going to be back at that race every year. I would love to party with Boyer. In some form or fashion. He looks like a blast. Oh, my gosh. Absolutely. Can you imagine going to Talladega, being in the infield with him? That'd be so much fun. On top of an RV with a couple cold natty lights and a game of beer pong playing. I wish. One of these, like I said, it's on the bucket list. Doesn't even necessarily have to be Talladega. Just somewhere on an RV in the middle of an infield uh, with a couple cold natty lights. And I don't even drink natty lights, but you, you know how I feel about that. Adapting to the culture. Right place, right time. You have to. You know, when in Rome. The plan was, before COVID hit, Tom, my dad and I, we were going to go to Talladega. And I had gotten clearance from uh, those that be at Talladega. They were going to give me a reserve spot in the RV area. They were going to credential my dad even and uh, you know, hook us all up with all the stuff, and we were just going to party all weekend long. I think it was going to be the race that would have been a couple weekends ago. The The invite's still there, but we got to wait for things to be normal of sorts. Can you imagine? You know my dad. Can you imagine what Charlie Jones would be like at Talladega? I want to be there for it. I want to live stream. <laughs> I, I mean, it would be, we might see a side of Charlie we don't normally get. Right? Oh, my gosh. He might not wake and I up. Wanna, I want to be there for it. He might not wake up in time for the race the next day. You think so? <laughs> I mean, if, if things. I think he'd be, be right. If things went the thing the way I think it would, I don't know. Now, if you were partying with Clint Boyer, he probably wouldn't wake up in time for the race. Maybe not. Um, although he's so experienced at it that I think he would be right on his feet and ready to go. Who is an athlete you would love to party with, Tom? Oh, hands down, Gronkowski. No ifs, ands, or buts. He looks like maybe the, one of the craziest uh, sure, there's like some NBA people. I would want to. I would have wanted to party with like prime Dennis Rodman. Um, uh, I would party with like Lou Williams for sure. He nope. seems like just your your typical. Obviously, he's he's a rule breaker. Right, gets you um, some chicken wings. And it would. I mean, to go to Magic City with Lou Williams would be quite the sight. <laughs> Obviously, you could say, I mean, it depends on how you want to say party. If you want to, like, an all-night rager, Gronkowski. If you just want to get, like, super wine drunk, I'm taking Popovich uh, any day. Uh, I mean, that would be the best because you'd be drinking all the best wines and you'd be thrilled. But, uh, yeah, Jones, I got. I would have to say probably, I mean, it's probably still Gronk. It probably is. What, what, what are you, who are you partying with? Uh, I'm going with J.R. Smith. I think Jr. would be a riot. Oh. Can you imagine? That would be, I mean, yeah, that would be 
pretty – I mean, I can only imagine the kind of things that he probably gets into. Now, if we're talking about the – I mean, you, w- you would almost want to party with someone that's like – you know, you would some people would say like uh, Russell Westbrook, but you would almost have to go with someone that's not married. Right. Um, I wouldn't say the Morris twins because I don't want to get in a fight with the football team like they did at KU. Yeah. Um, that would I feel like that could be a wrong place, wrong time type of deal. If it's the situation you mentioned of like with Popovich where you're just having that casual setting and it's just the two of you just sitting having some wine and such, I think Tiger would be fascinating for that. Oh yeah, that would be a good one. I'm sure there would be a there would be a lot of different things that could ha- that could go on. I mean could find a mistress you could <laughs> talk golf uh i mean i don't know yeah tiger would be very interesting i tell uh, you who i, I mean, wouldn't want to party I, with i'm trying to think uh, i would pass it i would think i would decline the invitation if i got asked to party with grayson allen yeah you might be end up in some shady activity i still think he could be a shady character if he's shady on the court he's going to be shady off the court i'm trying to think of another person besides gronk because i feel like gronk is maybe the i mean he does the most i feel like as far as he looks like the the party animal anyway um i'm i mean i would have said way back in the day johnny manzel for sure but i mean not anymore I don't know who I'm trying to think who now would be most. I mean, you you know, you would want to pick someone from your team, your favorite team, like Patrick Mahomes. He's got a pregnant wife now. He's he's married. You know, he's got other things he's got to do. It's, Fiance, you know, yeah. You would want to say him, but I, I think like Travis Kelsey, maybe. Uh, I mean, people might get flack for this, but I. Tyreek Hill, I still think, would be probably a lot of fun. Yeah, I think Tyreek would be good. Um, if you go with Baker Mayfield, you might end up having to run for the cops. Right? <laughs> See, that I was thinking about that, and then I was like, ah, he's probably calmed down quite a bit. There's, I mean, you, there's not a whole lot you can get into in Cleveland, I don't <laughs> think. Um, then, you know, there's another one. It's another, obviously, favorite, but, like, Go rattlesnake hunting with Mike Gundy and just pound beers all day. Rattlesnake hunting with Mike Gundy. And it had to be PBR too, right? Mike's a PBR guy. No, it would have to be. I feel like you get him enough beers in, you could probably get him to rant. I I feel like when he's home and obviously away from the media and, you know, his thoughts on the media and how he is portrayed anyway, um, especially this past offseason with everything that happened. And he, I guarantee you when he gets at home, when he when he goes home and he and he drinks, I guarantee you he just goes on rants about things. Probably always watching probably even so always watching OAN. Right. Why, <laughs> probably. I mean, I bet he just rants almost to himself sometimes. Right. Maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> I bet he Maybe does. Maybe it's just all for show. <laughs> I wouldn't put it past him. Um, just gets real worked up about something like a poor man's Alex Jones. Right, I think that uh, he needs to be a TV analyst when he's done, because he would certainly have a lot to say. 
Oh, God, I can only imagine. There's another one for you. And you know my thoughts on Alex Jones, but if I was going to party with someone, I would probably pick Alex Jones. Honestly, <laughs> probably would. And there's <laughs> there's probably some things I could, you know. I mean, to be, to, I mean, and that's everything, you know. Whatever Alex Jones is going to do, I'm right there with him. If I could go out and party with Joe Rogan and Alex Jones one night. Oh, my gosh. Uh, can you imagine? There. That would be that would be legendary. You add Gronk into the mix, uh, and, and maybe like Conor McGregor, and and that is like a that is the ultimate Jones. That is the ultimate show. Alex Jones, Joe Rogan, uh, Gronkowski, and Conor McGregor. Let's add in that. Let's add in show uh, lineup. Lou Williams to the fold. Yeah, that's just for the flavor. Right, that's the flavor. He's going to bring the chicken wings. Uh, yeah, that's like the the fantastic set or what? It, what's that movie with the cowboys? Uh, the the hateful eight or the great the whatever it is. The I don't know what it is. <laughs> now I'm getting too crazy with it. But that's the that's the prime time show uh, right there. I mean, I can only imagine <laughs> what kind of shenanigans. Oh, if you only come out, I have alive. Mike Gundy drive the bus, right? Yeah, oh see, I, I mean, I think just one of those. I mean, I think you could say Alex Jones on any given night. You party with him, you may or may not come out alive, and that's not being crazy. That's no. not a bold take. No. I really do think Alex Jones on any given night out partying could get you in a whole lot of trouble. Just but You might die or you might end up killing somebody. <laughs> you might not end up kill somebody, but Alex Jones might in your presence, and then you would be an accessory to murder. And, and then the globalists would be coming after you no it would be it would be i I can't even imagine right i mean if you were on a like a not even a tabloid at that point if you got convicted of murder uh i mean go and party in alex jones's bunker i mean i would have to bring like a i'd have to be bugged up or camera on or turn my gps on uh, just to share my location, just in case I didn't resurface in the morning. Right. I think I'd had to do the same. Um, let's move on. Let's talk about the uh, National Football League. Starting. Hey, with- I love that tangent. Starting out. Yes. What a way to get this show on the road, shall we? It's got It's it's got to be a great show. Oh, we're we're firing all cylinders already. The Kansas City Chiefs last week fall to the Raiders by a final score of 40-32. to And now they're looking to bounce back by taking on the Buffalo Bills. And the Bills, I don't know what on earth happened to the Bills on Tuesday night. My thought process, Tom, when we were looking at this game was, you know, hey, the Titans got all these COVID issues. Uh, They haven't been able to practice and such. And it's just been a mess for the last two weeks. The Bills up until then, had looked sharp. The you know Nice win against the Jets, the Dolphins, the Rams, the Raiders. They'd been nothing but impressive through their first four games. And then they just lay an egg, get blown out 42-16. to 16. And I was thinking before the Bills game against the Titans, like, you know, Chiefs-Bills, two very good teams. Chiefs coming off that loss. Maybe the Bills have a chance here. And in particular, when we thought it was going to be a short week, like, okay, Bills are at home. You've got a good quarterback. They're playing good football, good defense and everything. But after last night, 
like I'm, you know, still kind of in awe of what happened. The Chiefs have some problems. Um, you look at that game against the Raiders. Almost said Oakland. I stopped myself there. Um, the the <laughs> things that stood out. They had the penalties issue, which I think is something that you can work on, and and they should be fine. Um, you had the issue of giving up big plays defensively, and you know that's just a matter of tightening up coverage. You know, maybe you're getting more on the pass rush. I know that they were short a couple of guys here and there, but they still have a great defensive line. That's something that could be worked on, and they need to run the football more. And that just comes down to play calling. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire last week against the Raiders only had 10 carries for 40 yards. Four yards a carry, last time I checked, is good enough. That still gets the job done. Um, the Chiefs need to run the ball more. Edwards-Hilaire is having a good rookie season. Use him. He's there. I know that it, you, you got a future Hall of Fame quarterback and all those weapons and all those receivers, but sometimes – you got to go back to basics and start with the run game to open up the passing game. And, you know, wear out clock and use T.O.P. to help out your defense a bit. So I'm looking at those three things. I think there's a very good chance that the Chiefs take care of those three things this week. Um, they know that Josh Allen, his strength is throwing the football down the field, um, that he's not great in the mid-range and finding his receivers in the short passing game, so they know they have to defend deep. They know they need to get a pass rush, cleaning up penalties, and running the football. I think they don't want a shootout with Buffalo if they don't have to, if they can run the football and be effective. If they do those three things, Tom, I like the Chiefs' chances against Buffalo this weekend. Yeah, I mean, and we'll discuss it obviously later on in the show as well, but they're going to have to run the ball more effectively and and not just it's not necessarily not running it effectively. It's just they've kind of gone away from it. I mean, that first game, right out of the gate against the Texans, they used Clyde Lair, and, and he was the leading rusher in the league after week one. I mean, and they, you know, chop shopped the old Texans, and obviously after that it didn't go so hot for the Texans. But at the time being, that was still a pretty big game. You know, rematch of the playoff game last year. You're expecting them to to show up and the chiefs use their new weapon. And then they just, after that, they just decided not to, I guess, go back to it. I don't know. And so I, they're going to have to go ahead and do that some more. And like I said, we'll get into, you know, more of this game later on in the show. But uh, I, I mean, and as far as the bills go too, you mentioned laying an egg Jones, tell me if I'm wrong here. And maybe I'm just a prisoner of the moment. The Buffalo Bills feel more like the Iowa State Cyclones than any other team in the NFL. I could see that. Um, but I would say this, where where I don't quite go there is the Bills are probably the third or fourth best team in the AFC, and we're talking about them for – you know, still, even with that loss, they're still in the Super Bowl conversation. Nobody's talking about Iowa State going to the college football playoff um, at all. I That's mean, true. You know, Iowa State at best is, you know, in the Big 12 title game. That's where I differ. Maybe if you're putting the Big 12 scale on the scale of the Super Bowl, then I could see that. But I, I wouldn't take it quite to that extent. I guess that that's true. Maybe it's. Just Josh Allen and Brock Purdy. 
I feel like that. Uh, I feel like that. That Josh Allen and Brock Purdy, maybe, maybe some similarities there. Just that's, See, I, I don't know about I that. I feel that way a little bit, or maybe it's. I don't know about that. Like actually, October thing for me because Brock Purdy or maybe, does a really good job of getting the football uh, in the short passing game, and you know more of the stuff of a tr- traditional pocket quarterback. Josh Allen's got that big arm, and he's very mobile. Um, I don't know about that. He comparison. is mobile. I'll give you that. Um, I see. I'm just maybe I'm shooting at the wind here, but I just feel like that uh, that Iowa State. It's maybe it's because Iowa State's not used to being towards the top, and obviously the Bills aren't used to being towards the top, but at least to the Big Twelve. And now, obviously, the you know you could say OU in a sense is Tom Brady and the Patriots. That is no more. I don't know. Maybe I'm just shooting at the wind here, but there's something that makes me feel like that Iowa State and the Bills. It's maybe it's because we don't see them as normally any good. And and I feel like the Bills, yeah, they did lay an egg, but I I feel almost like they're here to stay now. Yeah, I mean, it's one game in the month of October. Still very early in this season. This Bills team is still going to be favored to win their division. Um I don't think it's the end of the world that they got blown out by the Titans. Did they get exposed? Absolutely. But it's not the end of the world uh, for that team. This matchup here, you know, I look at for the Chiefs that one of the things that they've done well is mobile quarterbacks. Deshaun Watson, Lamar Jackson, um, you know, they almost lose to Justin Herbert. They – you know, Brian Hoyer obviously wasn't anything, uh, but that's a whole other story. And then Derek Carr is a pocket quarterback, and you know he ate them alive with big plays. If if they can take away that air attack of Josh Allen of throwing it deep, and if they can you know keep him away from getting those big runs too, that's it's not an easy task. But if they do those things then I don't know how Buffalo keeps pace with the Chiefs. I've liked what Diggs has done. You know, he's turned out to be a great addition for Buffalo. I don't know what Minnesota was doing moving on. But if the Chiefs play like they're capable of, I don't see them losing to Buffalo on Monday, Tom. Yeah, I mean, and they should be bouncing back from a loss. Maybe we could say the same thing about Buffalo as well, but I think Andy Reid's is the better coach. Obviously, Mahomes is better than Allen, but I like what the Bills have been able to do. It isn't Buffalo. Uh, to me, I don't even see this game as a as a toss up like I do now. If it is in if it's in Kansas City, it isn't Buffalo. Uh, you know, it's at a weird time. Uh, I guess for a weekday, you know, at least it's at a weird time. I mean, what times the game start? Four. Four o'clock. I mean, when's the last time you've seen a weekday game start at 4 o'clock? Um, I don't know if I've ever have, to be honest with you. This is uh, unfamiliar territory for all of us, but uh, we get a, a little doubleheader with the Cardinals-Cowboys game to follow after that. So I'm not complaining. I work a morning shift, so the earlier this game goes is fine with me. Um but I know for some folks that sucks because they'll still be at work and such, you know, trying to get off that hour early. But um, it will be different. It, it will have an eerie feel to it. No fans there in Buffalo. We heard Travis Kelsey say uh, after that first game they played in Los Angeles with no fans, he never wants to play a game in front of no fans again. 
Um, but one other factor, too, something to think about in all this, Tom. I'll wrap up on this note, and we'll talk about it more later in the show. But the Chiefs have a couple extra days. They played on Sunday, and the Bills played on Tuesday. And, you know, it's a weird week for the Bills to play on a Tuesday and then turn around and play on a Monday the next week. The Chiefs, that's a a week and a couple extra days. I, I imagine that Andy Reid did not wait very long to get to that film room to start scouting Buffalo. That, I think, is a significant advantage, those two days the Chiefs have on the Bills coming off a loss like this. I mean, coming off that loss, I would – Almost wonder if it would be, you know, if there was a mandatory, we're all going to watch this Bills Titans game. Probably. I think. I mean, I'd like to be in a fly in that room for that game in Kansas City. Right. Can you imagine? That would have been something. Um, the other games in the NFL Browns taking on the Steelers. We're going to pick this game later on. Browns are 4 and 1, Steelers are 4 and 0. Oh. Tom, I like both these teams. The AFC North is just ridiculously good. Um, I think the winner of this game is actually, I know it's still early in the season, is probably going to find themselves in good position as far as making the playoffs go. At this point, with seven teams making the uh, the postseason out of each conference, Whoever wins this, you're pretty much halfway home, pretty much, if you got five wins uh, right now here in mid-October. Yeah, I think so. I mean, obviously the Ravens are there, but as far as a wild card spot, I mean, you would have to think that uh, whoever comes out ahead in this game is is, is right there for it. Yeah. Um, and it, I think it could go either way. Yeah, I think this is a toss-up game. Steelers are a three-and-a-half-point favorite. We'll pick that up one coming up later on. But I like what I've seen from both teams, and this is a good test. I'll, I'll say this, when, and when looking at both of them, their schedules have not been terrible. I know the Browns opened up with the Ravens, but then they won four straight. They beat teams like the Colts and you know a few others here and there. Um this for both these teams is such a good test because as far as we know, as much as I've liked both teams, Tom, the competition just simply hasn't been there for either one yet. Right. And, and, uh, being it that, that Baker has, you know, maybe not a true, true test, obviously other than the Ravens, um, and that being the first game of the season, new coach, all that, um, I mean, this is the first true test. And then for the Steelers, I mean, hasn't been a, there hasn't been any crazy tests or any crazy team that's come along and said, well, you know, the Steelers probably won't win this. I mean, and, and there's times where the Steelers haven't looked coming off pot, but the defense has ended up coming through. And then, you know, with the, the coming out party for Claypool, I mean, uh, I mean, it only gets better for, for, the Steelers and gets better for big Ben and the Steelers still, still can somehow find uh gems of wide receivers pretty much in any draft. It seems. Yeah. The uh, receivers grow on trees there in Pittsburgh. Uh, great job by them getting Claypool. I've been impressed. Uh, I'm excited to see what he does in his career. We'll talk about him more later. Texans taking on the Titans. Titans are a three point favorite. 
Nice bounce back for the for the uh, Texans last week. The Titans through all their circumstances with that big win. Tom, three points. I, I think that the uh, Titans aren't a big enough favorite here. I, I expect them to win this by a touchdown. Uh, you know, this to me that's that's not being too kind to the Titans to only give them three points here. The the Texans haven't shown me anything that would think that they can hang with Tennessee. No, they haven't. I did like to see them win last week after the first game without Bob. Um, you know, that is promising. And it, it did look like in that game that they were glad to be without Bill O'Brien. Uh, almost like a different kind of swagger. That sounds so bad. But after, you know, your coach trades away your whole team, I mean, what else can you do? Well, that's one thing we talked about. We said, I bet they come out motivated. I'm not a Romeo Cornell fan by any means. But just the fact you don't have to play for Bill O'Brien anymore probably provides some extra motivation, and it did. We'll see if that carries over uh, for this week's game uh, there against Tennessee. Cincinnati taking on Indianapolis. The Colts are a seven-and-a-half-point favorite in uh, this game here. Colts are three-and-two on the season. Tom, uh, this game here, the Bengals are, are so flawed they just need to get Joe Burrow a lot of help. I think the Colts are going to be fine at home in this game, but I don't think the Colts are that good of a team necessarily themselves here. I think that you know they're just uh, you know they happen to be at home and their defense is better. But you know I, I like the direction the Bengals are going. Just get Joe Burrow some help, and uh, they can really do something in the future there. Yeah, Burrow is looking good. He's he's looking, you know, he's a fighter. Uh, he even said when they when they finally won, he's like, man, it feels good to win. Uh, you know, I think he's going to be there for a long time coming. I think, you know, I don't think anyone would have disagreed that they'd found their franchise quarterback anyway, but things look good for them. Jones, as far as the Colts go, I like the label you've been using, and I'm going to steal it again. Um, good, bad team in the Colts. Good, bad team. You, you think um, so? I'm still not convinced that Philip Rivers can can win it and, and do anything in Indianapolis. And you'd mentioned it previously on another show. I don't know why you just didn't rock with you know roll with Jacoby Brissett because uh, I thought he was doing a fine job. Yeah, and he's not getting paid a whole lot either. Um, I'm sure they're already regretting 26 million on Philip Rivers. What could you have done with that 26 million instead of spending the money on Philip? Is uh, beyond me. I'll say this, though, Tom, even though the Colts are better right now, these two teams are heading in two completely different directions. I think the Colts are closer to the rebuild and the Bengals are on the rise. This is a game that maybe next year we're talking about it being completely different than it is right now. Um, The Falcons taking on the Vikings. Uh, These are two bad teams. The uh, Vikings came close against Seattle. Mike Zimmer looked like an idiot uh, not kicking that field goal. Falcons, uh, Dan Quinn's not employed uh, anymore. I imagine they're excited about that. I guess I'll take the Falcon, the uh, the Vikings here, Tom, but neither one of these teams are worth anything, uh, for goodness sake. Uh, you know, we, we gave Dan Quinn so much crap, uh, but Mike Zimmer, that was a fireable offense for what he did last week, uh, you know, choking away that Seattle game. Yeah, that and the fact that that Seattle was so forward with throwing it to DK Metcalf on the final drive and they still don't find a way to cover DK on on the fourth and goal. 
Uh, I mean, Zimmer, he keeps us up in, in Minnesota, you know, from, you know, losing Stefan Diggs. And then you see how Diggs is performing in Buffalo. I mean, I can guarantee you that the Vikings fans are paying attention to that. So, I mean, Zimmer might be a little on the hot seat if they can't figure all this out. And rightfully so. I mean, Vikings have underwhelmed big time. Maybe one of the biggest underwhelming stories uh, in in the NFL this season. Yeah, uh, that is for sure. The uh, Broncos taking on the Patriots. Tom, uh, Cam Newton might be able to play. We don't know yet, but I don't even think they need Cam Newton here to beat uh, Denver. Denver is so banged up. Uh, you throw out Jared Stenham, I think the Patriots can be just fine at home. Yeah, I think I don't see any any way that Patriots you can. I mean, they can handle Denver. Uh, this shouldn't be a, uh, you know, I, I can't say it'll be the game that I want to watch this week by any means, but uh, even if Cam Newton does play, but uh, I, I think the Patriots should be just fine. Washington taking on the Giants. The Giants, even though they lost last week against Dallas, that was their best performance of the year. The Giants are actually favored in this game. One of their few opportunities for a win in 2020, a two-and-a-half-point favorite. Uh, Tom, I lean towards Washington to win this game. Uh, you know, They had a nice win week one against Philly there, and they've been competitive from time to time here. Uh, the Giants are such a mess. I know that they had a moral victory of some sorts last week, but – uh, I don't expect any momentum of any sorts to carry over. No, neither do I. I mean, I mean, yeah, you have Alex Smith. It looks like they're going to run with him, and it's kind of become clear that they've ousted Dwayne Haskins. Uh, I imagine for what he said about not having any weapons, and in that route, but he needs I mean, to demand a trade. They've mistreated him there. Yeah, I mean, he, he's a much better option than Kyle Allen was. And I don't know if it's just Washington's, uh, you know, main forte, or not main forte, but main aim to, to play Alex Smith and to get that going. I mean, Alex Smith, I mean, he looked about as good as I thought he was going to be. And granted, he went against the Rams defense that, you know, made Donald pretty much have a career day. Uh, so his offensive line didn't do him any favors. His poor wife and kids watched him literally get down the back from Aaron Donald, which I think had the whole world, even Rams fans were like, oh, dear God. Uh, when Aaron Donald jumped on his back, I thought, oh, don't do it, Aaron Donald. Don't Not, not the first three plays. Uh, but, I mean, Jones, from what you saw from Alex Smith, good story. Uh, but I don't think he's going to even – I mean, give him a little bit, I guess. But I still think Dwayne Haskins would have been a better option than, than Alex Smith. I mean, maybe give him some time. I like Alex Smith, but I, just from what I saw, I was I, – I got what I expected. That's enough talking about the Washington football team for a few days. <laughs> <laughs> but I agree. I would like to see more Haskins. Ravens taking on the Eagles. Uh, Ravens are seven and a half point favorite. The Eagles are such a mess right now. The Ravens should have no problems here. Uh, I would imagine that they're going to do their thing, and this could this could get ugly. Actually, even in Philly, they might be throwing snowballs again. I was shocked that Philly kept it as close as they did with the Steelers. Uh, I mean, Steelers pulled away. I late. know that they. 
they did they did but i was i was i was thinking the steelers are going to do more um but yeah the ravens should i can't imagine the, the eagles pulling that out bears and uh panthers we'll pick this game later on but Certainly uh, a surprise that the Bears are 4-1 and one and the uh, Panthers are 3-2. and two. Teddy's played very well for the Panthers. I know that they're without their uh, star running back, uh, you know, Christian McCaffrey, McCaffrey. The Bears, they turn to Nick Foles. He's played well. They're without Tariq Cohen. David Montgomery's getting the load uh, for the most part there for Chicago here. Um, I think, you know, the, the no one's – expecting much out of the Panthers. You know, if anything, these wins are actually hurting their draft stock. They're not making the postseason. Uh, but in the case of the Bears, if they win this and go 5-1, and one, Tom, that might be the surprise of the year so far is if the Bears find a way to get to that point considering just how disappointing they were in 2019. Yeah, it would be shocking. I mean, and I think – the Bears, from where they're at right now, they have to be absolutely happy. Um, I mean, I didn't see this team. I was thinking, you know, either definitely third place in the division at the beginning of the year and maybe even last. And obviously the Lions have looked absolutely like trash. Um, so, I mean, if you're the Bears, you have to be happy. And, and, I mean, the only person on the Bears that's probably not happy right now is Mitch Trubisky. <laughs> right. Yeah, and he won't be on the Bears much longer. The uh, Lions taking on the Jags. Uh, Tom, if this somehow is on my local Fox affiliate, uh, I might have to uh, scream or yell at somebody. Uh, I have no interest in watching this game. Red Zone, don't even turn on this game. This one, uh, I, I really don't care who wins, and it doesn't really make a difference one way or the other. So, interesting thing about this game. And I'm pretty sure he's still going uh, from the conversation I had two nights ago. Um, Jose, our friend Jose, a friend of the show, Jose Soto, is actually going to Jacksonville on a whim uh, this weekend. I'm dropping him off the airport on Saturday morning early. Um, and he is planning on going to this game. So he will be there in attendance so I will not be watching this game, and if it is on the Fox affiliate here in Oklahoma, um, then I would probably have to say I might just watch just to see if I see Jose because he said he's going to wear his Denver Broncos jersey. <laughs> um, so maybe we get a Jose Soto sighting, um, and that'll be the most interesting thing about this whole entire game. So look for I'm going to take the Jags because they're at home. Okay, so look for Thomas's friend Jose. Uh, I guess is the only thing appealing about this game. Uh, how about the uh, Jets and the Dolphins? Adam Gase somehow is still employed, uh, which is beyond me. I don't know what to tell you there. They did release Le'Veon Bell this week, and I'm sure Jets fans are just so pleased how that relationship worked out. The Dolphins put on a show against the Niners. They're going to ride with Fitz, Fitz Magic for a while. Uh, it seems that they have no rush to bring in two at this point. Dolphins are a nine and a half point favorite at home. Tom, I've said this about the Dolphins from the jump this year. They're a good, bad team. Um, I expect the Dolphins to have their way with the Jets in this one. Yeah, the, I mean, the it just keeps getting worse. Uh, I mean, Case has got to be fired by the end of the season. I mean, they said they were going to fire him. Now you don't. You say you are, and then you don't. 
I, I mean, when when is enough enough? Is it getting shellacked by the Dolphins? Right. Is that the low point? Where can you get any lower for the Jets than what you are at right now? I guess we'll find out. The Bucks taking on the uh, Packers. We're going to pick this game coming up later on in the show. The Packers are favored. This game on the road uh, for them in Tampa. And you got two future Hall of Fame quarterbacks, two of the best to ever do it, Brady and Rodgers in this one. Tom, a heck of a quarterback matchup. And I would say that the Bucks need this win a lot more than, than Green Bay does at this point, um, at, at this point in time. And the run games for both these teams, you know, Leonard Fournette on one side, Aaron Jones on the other here. Um, yeah, a lot of talent on both sides for uh, for both teams. I think this is going to be a, a heck of a football game that really could go either way. Yeah, and, and like you said, the Bucks need this a whole hell of a lot more than the Packers do. But uh, I think in in it's a kind of a vendetta mission so far this season for Aaron Rodgers, and I, I think he's going to be ready to play because obviously it's against it's against Brady. But I do think the Bucks are still just pissed off the, the way that the bears game went on Thursday night. Um, <clears throat> so I think there's going to be both things for both quarterbacks to try to prove Aaron Rodgers is going to come out and try to just uh, do whatever he does best and, and throw for four or four I don't know if that's going to happen or not. The Bucks defense is pretty stout, but um, the the way the Packers have been playing have been just been incredible. Um, but you did mention the Bucks need this game. You can't, you know. I know the Saints aren't looking too hot. They did beat the Chargers, um, but you know you got to think the Bucks. I mean, you got to have this game. You have to. Uh, the Rams taking on the Forty ers This game on Sunday Night Football. Tom, the Niners they got to get away to stay healthy. I mean, this is a must-win game for them. At 2-3, and three, you can't afford to fall 2-4. and four. I don't know who's going to be available, how things shape out here. Um, but similar to what we talked about with the last game, the Niners need this a whole lot more than the Rams do. The Rams, if they fall to 4-2, and two, not the end of the world. The Niners, though, that pretty much is the end of the world if you fall to 2-4. and four. Especially how Seattle's been playing. Uh, you know, I know the Cardinals haven't been uh, too hot. They, you know, started out hot. But, uh, I mean, the Niners need this. Obviously, I'm a Rams fan, so I don't hope they get it. Um, Jones, if you would have told me at the beginning of the season, this this was like the first Sunday night game I was like super hype about, obviously including my team. But I did not think we would be at this position where the Cardinals are in front of the Niners in the division, and we're talking about potentially the the end-all, be-all for the Niners this early. When they said this was the Sunday night game, I'm like, they couldn't flex it out? I'm like, come on. Why don't we put Brown Steelers in prime time uh, instead? Uh, Never. You know, why, why don't we have to have this game as the Sunday night game? Why does Carrie Underwood, our lovely Carrie Underwood, have to come up with lyrics for the Niners at this point in the season. I feel bad for Kerry. I feel bad for America that this is our football night in America. Uh, but nonetheless. Is she not uh, married to an LA is she married to an LA Kings player? No, uh he played for uh the uh, Nashville Predators. Oh, okay. 
That makes sense, I guess. Yeah. So she's from Nashville. You know, she lives in Nashville. She's from Oklahoma, obviously. But yeah. Um, so should be an interesting game. Uh, must win for the uh, the Niners at this point. Last NFL game for you. The Cardinals taking on the Cowboys. Uh, this is the second of the Monday night doubleheader as uh, the Cardinals are coming in as a two-point favorite. Andy Dalton getting the start for the Cowboys here. Tom, I don't think a whole lot changes for the Cowboys' offense in this game with Andy Dalton taking over. He's a very capable backup. Um, what do they call him, the Red Rifle? I like Andy Dalton, and I thought the Cowboys did good. The contract they gave him and such. Um, you know, Gallup has turned into an excellent receiver to go along with Cooper and CeeDee Lamb. I mean, the offense is fine uh, with Zeke and company. It's that defense that's just given up way too many points. They gave up 34 points to the freaking Giants last week. Um, you know, I, I think the Cardinals, I like the Cardinals to win this game, but nothing will shock me here. Um, I'm not worried about Andy Dalton. Are you worried about Andy Dalton at all filling in for Dak? No, I mean, he's arguably maybe the best backup quarterback in the league. Uh, I mean, I don't know. That's 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 to be decided, I guess. But, I mean, overall, I mean, you're not in a terrible position. I mean, especially if you're the backup, you know you have a good offense to rely on anyway. So it shouldn't be that big of a for him. He's got a better offense than any – you could put the best players on the in any offense he ever had in Cincinnati – and the offense now is better than any one of those offenses combined in Cincinnati. So he's in good hands. Uh, if I was a backup quarterback, I would want to be in Dallas too. Right. And just blame the defense if uh, things don't work out. Because <laughs> uh, everything's there. The offense exactly. is fine. So there you have it. That's our rundown of the uh, NFL slate. Let's move on, talk some college football. Uh, looking at the Big 12 Conference with Oklahoma State and Baylor being postponed as we talked about at the top of the show, that leaves only one Big 12 Conference game. That's West Virginia and KU. I think we all know how that game is going to go. Miles Kendrick's getting the start for the Jayhawks. I'm not expecting much from KU. Les Miles, it's not known if he's going to be there. He's got COVID and everything. Um, things are not shaping up too well for KU against West Virginia, as is the case with anybody KU plays uh, this year. Somehow, Tom, did, did you know this, that because, uh, you know, Fox, they have TV contracts with the Big 12, Big 10, and Pac-12, and the Big 10 and Pac-12 aren't playing yet, that since KU West Virginia is the only game they have a contract to, Fox is making KU West Virginia the big noon kickoff game of the week. Gus Johnson and Joel Klatt go from calling the Red River shootout last week the KU West Virginia. They'll have the two-hour pregame show leading into it and everything with Urban Meyer and Brady Quinn and all those guys. Um, wow, what a stage for KU and West Virginia for one of the worst games probably in the Big 12 this year is uh, going to get all the national attention, probably going to be the worst-rated big noon kickoff game ever. Uh, but you know what? I'm here for all of it, Tom. <laughs> Yeah, Gus Johnson. I I don't know who he's gonna, you know, circle jerk this week. Um, <laughs> I, I don't get me wrong. I love I love Gus Johnson, but uh, I feel like he's just over the top on Sam Ellinger. I feel like he's in love with him. Almost. I lost it last uh, week, Tom. Like that. I lost it last week when uh, the OU kicker missed the field goal, and 
This is like after third overtime, and he had run out of words to say. He was at like DEFCON 3, and all of a sudden he yells, College football! Fox Sports! Right, yeah. Big 12! I'm like, what, what does that to do with anything? <laughs> <laughs> that he did. People were making fun of him for just, you know, I will say. He's the most energetic. He's, I think he's the best in the business, honestly. <laughs> and Joel's uh, fantastic, his, too. His voice. Yeah. Oh, yeah. His voice, <laughs> Gus Johnson's voice, is the for right now. And we go through these stages with different <laughs> announcers. But right now, when I listen to his voice, you know, if I get to be, you know, I, I say get to be. Usually, if they had it my way, I wouldn't be at home for any of those games because I'd be on the way to, to, to an OSU game. Um, but. I mean, just his voice is just so, I think, iconic. Yes. Uh, modern day iconic. Um, with that being said, he's going to have to maybe come up with some more words because this might be, this could be a Morgantown massacre. Um, and they're they're going to have to pick and choose what they talk about this week because I hope they've got a lot of things on the other, other side of the schedule to talk about. Right. Uh this KU team might just leave them speechless uh, this weekend. Um, I don't think that, you know, there might be a missed field goal attempt, though, for Gus to get out there. College football, Fox Sports, Big 12. He might have some missed field goal attempts for that. Uh, it's, literally, it's literally the first field goal attempt of the first quarter, and he says that. He's just getting it out. It's the new – it's his new phrase, like "bang" is for, <laughs> for Mike Brain for missed field goals only. Yes, college football, Fox Sports, right? Big Twelve. That that's uh that's the definition of the Big Twelve now. Is the Gus Johnson uh, call for a missed field goal? We we just think college football, Fox Sports, Big Twelve, missed field goal. I like it. That that'd be on brand for our league. Nonetheless, uh, you know, with that being said, looking at the Big Twelve standings, Tom. Iowa State and K State both at three and zero. Oklahoma State at two and zero, and then you got a couple one and one teams with West Virginia and Baylor. OU and TCU and Texas are at one and two. KU's at zero and two. Texas Tech's at zero and three. I'm looking at this conference race, and this thing is just wide open. Um, I think OU Texas was kind of an elimination game of sorts. I don't think Texas rebounds from losing two of their first three games to working their way all the way back up, passing all those teams to the uh, Big 12 championship game. Vegas still likes OU to win the league. They're still the favorites right now. Um, but OSU is obviously the highest ranked at a seven in the country, and uh, they're 3-0 record overall. Um, and you, we've yet to see Spencer Sanders much other than that first quarter against Tulsa when he got knocked out there. Tom, I'll say this. I think we're still going to see an OSU or an OU in the Big 12 championship game, if not both. Um, I, I like what I've seen from Iowa State in conference play as well as K-State. I know K-State's without Skyler Thompson. He's done for the year. Will Howard did a good job uh, filling in uh, for uh, Skyler there, and he's played well at the moments he's been in there. But I'll, I'll say this. I, I still like an OU or an OSU to get the Big 12 title game. I think there's still a ways to go for Iowa State and K-State to get there. Even with having, you know, Iowa State and K-State both have the wins over OU and essentially a three-game lead because of the tiebreaker here. Um, I would say the chances of 
that being the Big 12 title game, Iowa State and K-State are very slim. And I still think that the chances of either one of them getting in the Big 12 title game, I would not put very high right now. I, I still think the, the, the Big 12 race runs through the uh, the Sooner State right now with OSU and OU. What say you? Yeah, I think so. I think a lot of it's going to be dependent on next week's game. I'm surprised that's not a night game of sorts. Iowa State, Oklahoma State in Stillwater. I will be at that one. Uh, I cannot wait for that game. I was really hoping um, for OSU to play Baylor this week and, and get some, you know, just some time. Um, but, you know, well, that's going to be one for the ages. I mean, you're – your second favorite Big 12 team that's not OU is Brocktober. No, 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 no. Um, you disrespecting my Kansas Jayhawks like that? Like, come on now. No, I'm saying your second favorite that's not OU. I'm no, saying, no, 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 no. is my favorite you're, Big you're, 12 team. You know this. They're, they're above anybody. That's what I'm saying. The second favorite that's the second favorite that's not OU, meaning at this point in time, OU would be your third. Oh, okay. Uh, just okay. because how you've taken taken to maybe I, I didn't word that maybe the best but needless to say i mean your brocktoberness is uh will be taken on i think last year jones give me if i'm wrong here i think the game last year was also played on the third week of october uh that sounds about right i want to i think so i want to say it wasn't uh um, i think that's uh, that game's going to determine a lot I'll say this, Tom. I'm not an Iowa State fan. I'm a Brock Purdy fan, um, if that makes sense. Um, but, yeah, I like what Brock and Iowa State are doing, but I still need to see more from them in K-State before I completely buy in as far as the Big 12 title hopes go, um, you know, as far as that goes. But we'll see. I, I think that that was – when you look at that Texas win for OU, Tom – I would say that for OU with that Texas win, with Rattler, you know, getting benched and responding the way he was, that was like a season momentum shift type game. Game. That's one that you you figured out who you are and you gain your confidence and you go forward. I think the OU team, although their defense is still bad with Alex Grinch leading the charge, and, and that's another thing that I can say about OU, Tom, is that. Lincoln Riley, you know, not running the ball in that third down, you know, calling three pass plays, you know, in the goal line, all being incomplete, kicking a field goal instead of rushing in and getting a touchdown. Their coaches didn't do much to help them win that Texas game. As much as I like Lincoln, um, the players won that game. The coaches did not help them win. It was the players that came through and won that Texas game. So, I think the worst of OU's behind them. I think they're going to be better from here on out. I think Oklahoma State is going to get better getting Spencer Sanders back. And we're finally going to get to see this Oklahoma State offense for what it is. Um, you know, Iowa State's, you know, there, there's still some inconsistency issues. And K State, we'll see what they are without Skylar Thompson here. This is OU's and OSU's still to lose at this point in time. And. Bedlam is going to be a heck of a football game when uh, those two get going here uh, pretty soon. But nonetheless, uh, just one Big 12 Jones, game there. Jones, with, uh, uh, one last West point. Go ahead. One last point on that. One last point on that Big 12-ness right there. Um, there was reports that came out 
that uh, Mike Holder froze. She was actually looking for an opponent. And there was a lot of momentum for Bedlam to be played this weekend, actually. Now, I don't think they were going to get that done as much as there were some people that would have loved to see it. I don't want Bedlam that close or on a whim. I have to prepare myself mentally for that game every single year. It's not about you, Tom. Um, for at least two weeks. Um, but they were looking for somebody to play this week. It did not get done. Uh, I mean, there there was a reality where OSU was going to end up playing someone this week, and I think they wanted to. It I was think not the, an initiative made 12, by anybody else. I think the Big 12 shot it down. They didn't want them to play somebody at a non-conference, and they wanted to keep the schedule with the rest of the teams. But uh, – you know, it, too bad. I would have liked to see Oklahoma State play some football this week, but nonetheless, uh, they'll have another week off. Uh, we'll pick some of the top games across college football, Tom, but the big news going into this Alabama-Georgia game, which looks like the game of the year, two versus three, primetime on CBS. You know, we're all excited to see this happen, obviously. Uh, but Nick Saban out with COVID, and – you know, and we'll see if this game still happens or not. But you look at it, Alabama, their defense was just atrocious last week against Mississippi and uh, giving up all those points like they did. Georgia has looked so good here in these first few weeks of the season. This game, Tom, was going to be tough for Alabama, whether Nick Saban was there or not. Now you take Nick Saban out of the equation um, – Alabama's got their hands full. I think that, you know, we're used to just saying, oh, it's Alabama, they're at home, you know, same song, next verse, continue, you know, the train keeps on going. None of this screams that Alabama is is going to win this, and it's just a sure thing. Even if Nick Saban was coaching this game, um, nothing about this says that this isn't going to be tough for the Tide to pull this one off. Yeah, well, it's definitely going to be difficult for them. I mean, if that game in Oxford, Mississippi said anything, it's that the Alabama defense isn't that hot this year. Um, and it really, to be honest, none of the SEC defenses have been very impressive. Um, if anything, it's almost flip-flop from where, you know, there's been a couple of Big 12 defenses that look real good and, uh, and, and some of their offenses have had looked really hot. And then it's kind of been vice versa. Uh, I mean, the running game for Alabama is a bright spot for sure. Um, but no Nick Saban in a game that you just came off of that did you, you did not look impressive against an Ole Miss team who is uh, honestly subpar. Um, I mean, how many points did, did Ole Miss end up putting up? Was it 42 plus? 48. 40, yeah, 48. I mean, when's the last time Ole Miss put up 48 uh, on Alabama? I mean, that's unheard of. Right. Well, and, and uh, you look at the le- rest of the, the slate. Well, already had one upset. Coastal Carolina beats uh, Louisiana, the 21-ranked team in the country, 30-27. Uh, <laughs> uh, I guess well, that's good for KU. It's good for KU, yes, uh, as Coastal won that one on the road, too. Uh, but you, you got one upset, and I'm looking at this, this slate, Tom. You know, whether it's Georgia, you know, whether it's uh, Clemson taking on Georgia Tech, or it's you know Miami taking on Pittsburgh, you know, Tennessee taking on Kentucky, A and M, Mississippi State, um, you know 
you go on down the line here, there's not very many head-to-head top 25 matchups, but what we're seeing is that these teams in the top 25 are playing teams that aren't far off. They may not be top 25 teams, but they're within striking distance of sorts here. Um, We'll pick some of them later on in the show, but Tom, this feels like one of those weeks, especially the way this season has gone um, with you know, more parity we've seen this year in college football and, and more upsets, of, you know, of sorts. I think this is another week that we're going to see, you know, survival of the fittest. We'll see some more upsets of some of the teams that you expect to be winning uh, each week are going to have a hard time here. I think we're in for quite a treat. If you're a college football fan that loves upsets, this might be your weekend to see uh, a few of them there in the top 25. Once again, is what's been kind of par for the course for 2020 so far. Maybe that bodes well for the Jayhawks this weekend. Uh, I mean, it does kind of feel like a spooky week. You know, all things considered, it does feel very spooky. Uh, Maybe I'm glad Oklahoma State's not playing, and OU's probably glad they're not playing as well. Um, But, yeah, it does feel like one of those weeks where a lot of chaos could happen. Uh, maybe Maybe they're foreshadowing putting Gus Johnson on that West Virginia KU game. (laughs) <laughs> Maybe so. Maybe they know something that uh, we don't. Uh, and uh, KU, of course, looking for their first, uh, you know, conference road win since about 2009. So we'll see what happens. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, we'll have our pigskin pick them presented by O'Connor Advisory Group coming up later on in the show. But next, NASCAR driver David Starr joins us. He's got a big announcement that he's going to make. Uh, and we'll also preview the Kansas Speedway weekend as well. All that more coming up with David Starr on the other side. Stay with us here at the Jones Report. Joining us now on the Jones Report this week, he'll be driving in the NASCAR Xfinity Series race this weekend at Kansas Speedway, and he's also here to make a big announcement about a big partnership going forward. It is NASCAR driver David Starr who joins us here at the Jones Report this week. David, what's going on, man? Appreciate you joining us. Oh man, thanks for having me on, Tyler. Just uh, man, just uh, just getting uh, getting ready to come to Kansas and uh, race at the Kansas Speedway on one of my favorite race tracks throughout the country. Just uh, I love that Speedway, and just uh, it's a beautiful sight to see it when you drive up to it and all the stuff and amenities and everything you have surrounding the Speedway. And I just man, I I love coming to Kansas. Great place. Well, we're excited to have you, and uh, hopefully you have a good finish in that Xfinity race on uh, Saturday, David. Uh, tell me about the uh, team. What uh, what car are you running, and uh, who's going to be on board with you this week? Well, man, I'm driving for SS Greenlight Racing. It's owned by a good friend of mine, Bobby Dodder, and uh, Jason Miller is my crew chief, and uh, it's the 07 car. And uh, so, man, it's kind of kind of exciting. We, uh, we got a, a new sponsor, American Rebel. They're not new, but they're new into our NASCAR racing sport. And, uh, man, American Rebel, they're, uh, man, they're, uh, patriotic brands. They, they sell awesome safes, uh, for anything, guns or whatever it is that you need a safe for. And, uh, man, they got some cool concealed weapon, uh, uh, backpacks and, and stuff like that. But, man, what a great company. Uh, glad to have them on, on board with us. And, uh, and uh, excited uh, to to come race and to to represent American Rebel and uh, and to race again. So it's uh, always cool. And, and man, I love the Kansas racetrack just because there's 
you know, if you, uh, for those that have been to the racetrack, race fans that have been there many times, watched so many NASCAR races there, it's just a, it's a very racy racetrack. You can race up against the wall. You can race in the middle of the racetrack, or you can run the bottom groove. So it's a lot of fun for us competitors. That's exciting. And, uh, David, before we talk too much shop and dive any further, we do want to make this announcement. Uh, this is a project you and I have been working on for a couple months now. I know I've known you personally for you know over a year or so. And uh, I had this idea, and it just seemed like a, a natural thing that we needed to make happen. We're going to be starting very soon. We're going to be launching a podcast with David that he's going to do every week. It's going to be called Let's Go Racing with David Starr. Myself, David, and uh, the RacingExperts.com editor-in-chief, Dominic Argon, is going to join us. And we're going to sit down once a week and look back at the week that was in in all of uh, NASCAR and talk about David's week in particular, look ahead, and uh, talk to some of David's friends throughout the sport as well. So, David, I'm excited to get this thing going and and uh, let people hear all your stories, man. It should be a lot of fun each week. Yeah, no no doubt about it, man. I'm, I'm excited, and uh, I appreciate Man, I love the, the idea you came up with, Tyler. I thought it was pretty brilliant. And, uh, you know, I've never done anything like this before, but, uh, but man, it, you know, to talk about – to have a podcast where we talk about the industry that I'm involved with and the industry that I love so much and, uh, you know, being a part of NASCAR for 24 years and, you know, I pinch myself almost every day to make sure it's really happening because it was such a dream and to be able to, uh, achieve that dream and still be involved in the sport that I love. And, uh, I mean, to be able to talk about our industry and, and, and the, the, the races that happened the week prior and just, all the exciting stuff going on in our industry and uh, kind of behind the scenes of what happens and the drivers and the crew members and just all the cool stuff. I think it'll be very interesting. You know what I mean? It's, it's cool to, to let people know, uh, you know, as a competitor, as a driver, what that looks like, uh, the, the hard work that goes in, that's involved in that from, uh, you know, going out meeting with sponsors and, and to take care of the sponsors, making sure they get their value out of such a great industry that's NASCAR racing. And, uh, you know, just all the cool stuff that our sport offers to people. To be able to talk about that on a podcast, I'm, I'm excited about that. You know what I mean? So, yeah. uh, but thank you. Thank you, Tyler, for coming up with that brilliant idea. You know, once we talked about it, you know, a while back, I, as I thought about it, I said, man, that's, that's pretty cool, man. So uh, I love it. So I'm excited to – you get that kicked off, I think that's going to be pretty cool and uh, excited to get back to the racetrack and race. Oh, yeah, uh, no doubt about it. And uh, I think this thing's going to take off, man. I think it's going to be must-listen to for David Starr and NASCAR fans everywhere each and every week. And and uh, we'll have some more details here in the coming weeks when we're uh, ready to launch this. But we're very close to getting this thing uh, up and going here pretty soon. It'll be sooner than you think, uh, folks. When uh, we start this uh, new podcast, let's go racing with David Starr. Uh, David, before we talk about Kansas Speedway and this weekend, man, I, I got to ask you, uh, you know, since this is your first time on my show, the Jones Report, for some folks out there, we got to get to know you a bit. So tell me about your journey, man. Where did it all start for David Starr back in the day, man? Oh, man, you know, I'm just a kid that grew up in Houston, Texas. Uh, you know, my dad was involved in racing as a crew chief for a guy named Ronnie Chumley and Tony Bittenhausen Jr. And uh, being exposed to it as a as a young kid, uh, you know, my dream of becoming an NASCAR race car driver started when I was three or four years old. And uh, 
man, just going to the races locally at Myers Speedway in Houston, Texas, you know, I fell in love with it. I'd sit up in the stands and watch my dad work on the race cars and watch Ronnie Chumley and Tony Bittenhausen win races. And, uh, you know, there was a guy named A.J. Foyt that had a race car that raced uh, every week against my dad's car. And, and, uh, man, I just fell in love with it. And my dad got out of it when I was seven or eight years old because he was gone on the road all the time. And I had an older brother and a younger brother, and my mom, you know, kind of said, hey, you can have the road or have your family. So <laughs> he chose the right the right one. I give her a hard time now about giving him that ultimate uh, ultimatum. And uh, But anyway, my neighbor was racing dirt cars. That's kind of how I fueled my passion. And, uh, man, I, I started at the local dirt track in a, in a bomber race car, a junkie race car that you, uh, you took all the glass and plastic off of it, built a roll cage that had to be completely stock. And, Man, I started racing when I was uh, 14 years old, and you know I could write a book on 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 the ups and downs, and you know uh, uh, on how you know just hard work and persistent, never giving up, and just taking advantage of opportunities and uh, winning races, and just you know having people get behind you and help you. There's been a lot of great people behind me that got me to my ultimate dream, which was uh, to race for a living and race as a professional in NASCAR. And, you know, still today, I still, it's still sometimes hard for me to comprehend, you know, the last 24 years been a blessing and, uh, I love it more than anything, but, you know, growing up in Houston, Texas, I mean, you know, we have the Houston Astros and Houston Oilers and just, you know, all the major sporting, uh, teams. And, uh, man, I'm just a big sports fan, but, uh, but I love, I love what I do, and um, but I love it all, man. And I'm just blessed that I'm the 24 years into my career professionally that I'm I'm still able to do it, and uh, hopefully do it another, you know, 10 years if my body lets me. And uh, and I love it, man. So pretty awesome. Well, and 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 David, you're 53 now. You want to go another 10 years? Just this past week, Clint Boyer announces he's retiring full time racing. It's it's amazing. You're a rarity nowadays in, in the sport in seeing a guy that is at this age and wants to keep going. We're seeing guys <laughs> retire at an earlier age than ever before uh, in this sport. Uh, I mean, that's that's something that you want to keep going. Uh, you, you're thinking about the, the Morgan Shepard type route? I mean, what, what's, what, what's your mindset of why you want to keep going this long, man? Man, that's really interesting. You know, it's interesting – very interesting, you know, but my good friend, you know, looking back on things, you know, just the racers, you know, I mean, I'm talking hardcore racers, Clint, Kemp, Clint Boyer, you know, you look at Carl Edwards, guys that, that man just did everything they could to get an opportunity in racing, you know, at a, at a regional level. And we worked on our cars and, you know, we mowed people's grasses, washed their cars you know, uh, we did everything we can to have an opportunity at the next level. And, you know, I speak of those guys cause we're hardcore racers, you know what I mean? That's, that's all we ever wanted to do. And when you make it, you know, uh, for me, you know, uh, even though I'm 53 years old, you know, I still feel like I take care of my body, you know, like I'm 25, you know what I mean? I still work out. I still have the energy of a 20 year old. And, uh, you know, uh, if my eyesight and my reactions and how I feel and how I act 
you know what I mean? If I couldn't get the job done behind the wheel, then I would consider maybe I need to start looking at what's next for me, you know what I mean? But I, I don't believe I've lost my edge as a competitor from a uh, from a performance stand base, you know what I mean? Have I lost my eyesight, you know, my slower, you know, my workouts and everything I do now is, is probably the best it's ever been, you know what I mean? So, so anyway, it's kind of interesting to see guys that are younger than me that are retiring because, man, you know, it's kind of weird. It, it's, it's still that burning desire and that passion I have to compete, you know, I, and, and look, I'm not competing when I race for wins. You know what I mean? I mean, right. I don't operate on, you know, multi-million dollar teams. You know, we don't have multi-million dollar sponsors and, but man, I still like to compete. You know, we're not, we're not winning races, but you know, we're a 10th through 16th, 17th place car when we race. And that that just that that just drives me, you know what I mean? It, it drives me to 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 compete and do the best you can do every week. You know what I mean? It, it actually keeps me young, and uh, man, I still love it. Like the first time I ever drove a race car, it's kind of crazy, you know what I mean? So yeah, I don't know, man. Just everybody's different, you know. It's just uh, I'm still very passionate about it, and I still think every day when I get up. What can I do to to perform better, compete better? Was that you know maybe I need to, you know, you know I go out and try to bring in more sponsors to our industry, to my team, so we can have more money. We can make our equipment better. You know, is there something I can do from a from a performance of my body, uh, from a uh, physical standpoint? But man, I just I still have that desire that burns pretty hot, really hot in my body. You know what I mean? So sure. You know, to see Boyer retire, you know, I'm like, you know, there's there's a reason and a purpose for him, you know, and a lot of times we never know what that is. But for me, I still really, really enjoy what I do. And even though I'm 53, you know, I feel like I'm 25. <laughs> so I'm going to continue <laughs> to continue to race like I have been, you know what I mean? Sure. And uh, like I said, you know, you make up, you might wake up one more day and you don't feel like getting on an airplane and competing and racing against all your competitors that's not something that's really that really uh i mean i love that you know what i mean right. it kind of makes my heart beat besides my kids and my wife and when you lose that then it's time to do something different but i haven't lost it yet that's fantastic so, david star joining yeah. us here on the jones report this week david you made your first start in the truck series back in 98 and uh you got you know several wins in there you've had a long career running uh, Xfinity, and then some cup races, some one-offs from time to time here and there. What are some of your favorite moments you've had in your NASCAR career, man? Oh, man, it's been, you know, there's been a lot, you know. I mean, for the first time you had your big break and you went to your first NASCAR race, you know, I, you just can't believe, you know, you're there and you're competing against people that you watched on TV for a long time. I remember one of my first, you know, I don't know, second or third race i was racing hard against bobby hamilton you know i've watched bobby win races watched him on tv for years and here i was you know kind of trading paint with the guy you know what i mean so i mean just you know that was just a unbelievable moment and uh you know going to daytona for the first time you know in the trucks uh racing at the daytona national speedway that was a big deal you know the first time uh you know first time when they paid you first paycheck i got racing cars racing trucks in nascar i mean i couldn't believe they were paying me to do something 
that I love. That was, you know, there's been so many, you know, uh, obviously, you know, your first, your first win was a big deal. Uh, you know, just meeting Richard Petty, driving for AJ Floyd. I mean, there's just been endless and endless of memories that just, that just are just planted in your head that you just can't believe you had, you know what I mean? But there's been a lot of them and, uh, it's been an awesome uh, ride, and uh, like I said, there's there's more to come, and uh, you know it's just a great sport. You know, being friends with Carl Edwards, you know Jeff Gordon, just all the greats, Mark Martin, just all the competitors. You know, Dennis Setzer that's not racing more, Jack Sprague, Ron Hornaday, Mike Skinner, being teammates with Mike Skinner for a couple of years when we both drove for Randy Moss, and just you know, it's just been it's it's a great industry. Just, I love the racers, you know, whether you're lace, racing at Lakeside Speedway there, just north of the Kansas Speedway. I mean, we're all just racers. We love to race. A lot of us, you know, growing up, uh, we have normal jobs, but at night we work on our race cars, build our engines, we build our own cars, and to go compete on Saturday nights at a, at a racetrack somewhere, I mean, that's just, I don't know, man. I just, I love it, but... A lot of great memories for me, and yeah. I'm still making more. <laughs> That's fantastic. David, uh, yeah. i, I got to ask you. I'm sure a lot of people are curious to know about this. Uh, go back in time and tell me about that uh, little exchange you had with uh, Todd Bodine, that uh, fight you had on pit road there. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, I mean, I don't yeah, – that's a, that's a great question, and, and uh, you know, uh, I don't care what sport you play, you know what I mean? Uh you know, everybody plays whatever type of sport, baseball, football, basketball, hockey, track. I mean, whatever it is we do, race motorcycles, you know, whatever it is. I mean, I'm passionate about, you know, competing, you know what I mean? And uh, I try to carry myself as a, like a champion even when I lose, you know what I mean? You're going to lose more than you're going to win, you know. So one of the things I try to do is to make sure that, you know, I, I win, I lose with grace and with good sportsmanship and integrity and all that. But that being said, losing sucks, to be honest with you. I hate it. And, um, you know, I'm a competitor. I want to win. It's what I work for. And, uh, you know, sometimes things happen on the racetrack that I'm, that I'm very passionate about. And sometimes, you know, when the races are with, uh, you know, a driver will have a, you know, driver wants to talk to you about an incident or sometimes I want to talk to them and, Sometimes uh, the outcome's not good, you know. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, <laughs> you know, I, I had a little, you know, I, I really had a problem with Todd Bodine at a race, you know, years ago, and it wasn't him. I got to, you know, I, I had to address it with his team and not him. But you know, it's just, it just goes back to passion, man. How much passion you have for winning and for competing, and sometimes, you know, people understand, you know, and sometimes those things happen. You're not proud of them, but that's just part of part of what what happens sometimes you know and sometimes as a competitor you got to stand your ground you right. can't let anybody take advantage of you or, or run over you and uh so a lot of times i just like to say hey man i'm just standing my ground you know what i mean i'm not a pushover <laughs> oh <laughs> that's the political right thing to say right there you go uh yeah. todd he, he's kind of a big guy too uh that would be an interesting fight to see you two go 12 rounds, you know, head to head. That'd be uh, something else, you know. I, I'd, well, I'd yeah, watch that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, Todd's a great racer, a great competitor. And, and like I said, he he's a great guy, a great friend. And, and uh, 
you know, but, you know, uh, in, in auto racing, you know, when they drop the green flag, uh, you know, we're at war, you know what I mean? Even right. though these guys are, we're friends with them. I mean, we have sponsors, we have team owners, we have a team, you know, we have manufacturers. There's a lot at stake, you know what I mean? So, you know, friends off the racetrack is one thing, but when the race starts, I mean, I mean, you know, we are competing. I, I want to beat everybody. We're at war. You know right. What I mean? So, you know, it happens, you know what I mean? And, uh, sure. You know, the next day you're just buddies again, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Just, uh, it's serious. It's real. And, uh, and uh, you know what I mean? Like I said, th- things happen like that. And then, <laughs> you know, when you cool down a little bit, have time to think about it, sometimes you say, man, well, that was pretty stupid of you, you know what I mean? But oh, again, yeah. in the heat of the moment, it happens, you know what I mean? And, absolutely. And, uh, perhaps, you know, so it's real, you know what I mean? It's right. real. And, um so absolutely. That's that's funny. Uh, we're joined by David Starr, NASCAR driver, here on the Jones Report this week. David, uh, I know this year has been a challenging time for everybody with this pandemic. Uh, NASCAR was the first major sport to make its return back in May after the shutdown. Um, what do you think of the state of the sport right now um, with the direction it's headed and the way things are going? Where, where do you... Uh, what's kind of your mindset, just the way that NASCAR has taken things as of right now? Yeah, I'm really proud of the sport we uh, that that you know that I'm part of, and NASCAR. You know, I take my hat off to them because they've done a really tremendous job, I believe, uh, with you know having this COVID nineteen and the pandemic going on. It's it's just you know we we none of us ever seen this coming or ever thought that this would happen in our country you know what i mean or the world at that you know and uh you know uh i remember being in, uh i think it was our fifth or sixth race of the year and uh being in atlanta and nascar saying hey we're going to cancel the race and you know everybody needs to go home you know what i mean i'm like man that's you know that's unheard of you know what i mean i, I couldn't believe that that was happening they were that you know, in any major sport, you know, I think the night before our race, you know, I had heard the NBA had shut down and I was like, man, I mean, that's, that's just unheard of, you know what I mean? So trying to really comprehend what was going on in our country and, uh, uh, and then having NASCAR shut down and all the sports shutting down, it was just, you know, you just kind of like, man, this is really uncharted territories and for, for all of us as Americans. And, uh, so, you know, when, in May, when our, when our sport was probably the first sport to, to, to go back to, uh, operating, you know what I mean? I thought NASCAR did a really tremendous job on keeping the, our industry, the people involved, the drivers, the crew members, the officials, the protocols they had to make sure that we we could open our sport back up, but to keep everybody safe, you know what I mean? To keep to keep everybody involved that makes the sport happen. I just really thought that they did a, a tremendous, uh, uh, they you know, and have been since then that they've done a great job. You know, you don't you don't hear many of the people that are involved in our sport from the, from the teams to NASCAR, you know, and, and I think there's been three or four drivers that, that have attracted the COVID-19 virus and, uh, you know, and, you know, however that looks or the treatments they've received. And, you know, when they came back to the sport, you know, NASCAR did a great job to make sure that they were 
COVID-19 clear, completely clear, you know, and, and uh, I don't know. I just thought the sport did a, a tremendous job and still doing a tremendous job today. The sad that is, you know, not having the race fans, you know, the fans make the sport what it is without the people, the fans, you don't really have a sport, you know, cause we have sponsors, manufacturers, they're the ones that make the sport. That's where the money pours into our industry to make these race cars run. And, and, uh, uh, and for the sponsors who want to come in because of the, the fan base we have and to not have the fans as the racetrack is, is a challenge for our industry. You know what I mean? So that being said, I really, I really think our industry has done the best, a great, great, great job in the situation that our whole country's in, if that makes sense, you know what yeah. I mean? And, uh, so, so it's, it's just, it's been amazing. And then, uh, you know, and, and it's, it's just sad. It's, it's amazing that we can race under the conditions and, uh, the guidelines that we have to follow that we can have a race. It's very sad. Uh, on the other hand, that we don't have an audience, uh, in, in, for all of race teams that have sponsors, the sponsors bring their customers and their employees to the racetrack and entertain them. And you don't really have that engagement right now. And that's a big deal for the sponsors, uh, for the fans to buy their products or to buy the cars from the manufacturer, just the engagement and all that, you know, that's, that's kind of broken, not broken. It's broken because of the pandemic, you know what I mean? And the, right. the COVID-19 deal. So, you know, I'm just, you know, Tyler, I'm just like everybody else. I'm, I'm, I'm just pray and can't wait for normal to get back to our country. Uh, just everybody, the, the, the high school sports, the youth sports, you know, the, the, all the major sporting yeah. events, just everything, the schools. I'm just, I'm, I'm just ready for normal. Like everybody else is. You yeah. Know? I'm with you. Uh, definitely. So David Starr joining us here on the Jones report this week. So David, uh, Kansas Speedway coming up. This weekend, you'll be making the trip out here second time this year, and uh, we got quite the weekend ahead. Just uh, on the NASCAR circuit as a whole, you got ARCA to get things started Friday, Saturday. Uh, Going to be trucks and the Xfinity race that you'll be in, and then uh, Cup on Sunday. Should be an exciting weekend. Uh, I imagine all four of those races should be uh, some good action there at Kansas Speedway. Uh, I like it that you guys are running at night too, doing a night race there for the Xfinity Series Saturday. Man, it's it's cool, you know, and, and uh, people say, hey, man, you like racing it during the day or at night? I said, man, <laughs> it doesn't matter. I just like to race, you know, and uh, whether you race during the day or at night, it's it's just awesome. But one of the things I can tell you about racing at night, the Kansas Speedway, man, that place is lit up like it's daytime, you know, and for some some reason, racing at night under the lights is kind of magical. You know, you can see the sparks flying. You can just stuff happen i mean it's just there's i don't know to me racing under the lights is just magical you know what i mean it's, oh yeah uh, you know you you can see i think you can see more you know what i mean but uh but it's awesome and and again whether you race at night or at daytime you know racing there at the kansas speedway just the way the racetrack's built the shape of it it just creates great racing you know what i mean and like i said i said earlier it's one of my favorite place to race at i love the place you know what i mean and the race fans in that area have just been incredible over the years it's sad that the xfinity race 
uh, will not have fans, and I'm not sure about Sunday's cup race if there's fans or not. 10,000 uh, fans for the uh, cup race on Sunday. You know, and that's and that's cool, you know, and, and again, you know, the, the uh, NASCAR has done a tremendous job. The racetracks have across the country, and, you know, and again, you know, you, you want 100,000 people there, you know what I mean? You want all the fans to come, but you know, the sport really has to focus on the health and wellness of our fans and, and everybody involved. You know, you just can't open up the doors or open up the, the facility 100%. And then next thing you know, you got the fans coming to watch the race. Somebody comes down with COVID-19 just because they were at a race. You know, that wouldn't be good for our industry. So, you know, I'm glad to see that 10,000 fans will be there in attendance on Sunday. I think that's a wonderful thing. Just can't wait for uh, for all the sports, our NASCAR racing, and for everything to open back up. You know what I mean? So, but I'm excited to come and race this week, and I know everybody else is too. And you know, there's a, there's you know, there's championships going on in all three of the NASCAR series. You know what I mean? So, like, there's a, there's big fights to be the champion for 2020. So it's a very interesting, and the racing's been incredible. So it's pretty cool. Yeah, no question about it. Uh, David, I, w- I want to get your thoughts on that uh, that cup race on Sunday. Uh, we found out that uh, Chase Elliott's going to be starting on pole, and uh, he's coming off that win at the Roval this season. Been uh, all about Kevin Harvick and uh, Denny Hamlin. I would have to think those two are the favorites uh, going into this weekend. Hamlin's won the last two races at Kansas Speedway, and and uh, the cup races have just been phenomenal lately from what we've seen there at the track. Uh, we should be in for an exciting show. I imagine Denny's got to be the guy to beat, right? Well, I mean, you know, you, you said it. You know, I mean, just uh, the racing's been incredible, and, uh, you know, they're, they're – uh, Kevin Harvick, Denny Hamlin have been the class of the field, you know, and uh, like you said, Tyler, those guys are the favorite, but man, you, uh, you know, there's some heavy hitters out there, you know, uh, look at Chase Elliott winning that race on Sunday. I mean, you know, that's what makes NASCAR racing exciting and fun. You know, Kevin Harvick and Denny Hamlin, obviously they're the favorites, but man, you, you can't, you can't, you know, you can't rule out you know, look at Kurt Busch. Can't rule out Kurt Busch. Can't rule out uh, uh, Chase Elliott. I mean, there's just it's it's there's no telling how it's gonna how it's gonna play out. You know, but I wouldn't be surprised. It wouldn't surprise me if if it wasn't Denny Hamlin or or Kevin Harvick that wins the championship. You know, and that's what's exciting about our sport. Even though those guys have won the most races and they've been the dominant, and they're the you know, they're the uh, guys that you expect to win the championship. It's so competitive. And just look at Chase Elliott, you know, winning that race Sunday. That was exciting. And uh, so anything can happen. And that's what's cool about our sport. You know, all eight of the guys that are left and that that are going for a championship, you know, it's a, uh, you know, it, it wouldn't be surprised to see the other six, you know, win it. You know what I mean? But uh, one thing about I do know, it's going to be exciting all the way to the end, you know? So, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, all eight drivers left have at least one win on the season. Uh, we mentioned Chase Elliott, Joey Logano, of course, up there, Truex, Bowman, Kurt Busch, and uh, Brad Keselowski. Who do you think's the biggest threat to the throne uh, for Kevin Harvick and Denny Hamlin? Of that next bunch, who do you think's got the best shot to compete with those guys here at Kansas and, and for the title, David? Man, you can never uh... – rule out Martin Truex Jr. I mean, and, and Chase Elliott. I mean, they're just, 
you know, you can't you can't ever rule out those Penske cars either. You know, Brad Keselowski and, and Joey Logano. I mean, you, all of them, man. They're just, you know, it's just, uh, you know, just they're all, you know, they're all running good and doing well. But I would have to say, just my personal opinion, Martin Truex Jr. and uh, Chase Elliott. You know what I mean? Uh, those guys. I mean, all of them are going to be strong. But uh, but anyway, that's what makes it exciting. You know, you can't wait for the Kansas race Sunday to see. You know who's going to come out the winner and and what's going to happen, but you know it's 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 hard to really pick one that's going to win. You know what I mean? I, we know who's been dominant this season, and like you said, uh, Denny Hamlin and uh, Kevin Harvick. But man, you know, uh, it's just for me, you know, the excitement uh, of what's going to happen on Sunday there at Kansas Speedway. Looking forward to who's going to be the champion, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if it was somebody else other than the two dominant cars, you know yeah, what I mean? So sure. yeah, it's going to be interesting. <laughs> on on yeah. your side in the Xfinity series, David, the, the thing that, that has stood out to me this season, um, you know, one of the things they, they try to do is put such a focus on the Xfinity regulars, not the cup guys going down to race Xfinity races. And this season, You've only had one win from a cup driver in the Xfinity Series. Uh, that was Kyle Busch back at Charlotte uh, you know, in May. Other than that, the Xfinity Series guys have been holding their own this year. In particular, up top, Briscoe and Cendric, those guys have been phenomenal this season, it seems. Man, those guys are incredible. You know what I mean? Just the Xfinity Series, the competitors on the Xfinity Series side. I mean, you know, I hear from the fans – Man, man, the, the Xfinity Series race this weekend was the best race, you know what I mean? I'm like, man, that's cool to hear that the fans are saying that, you know what I mean? But, you know, all the guys running for the championship on the Xfinity side, I mean, you know, it's, it's uh, you know, they're uh, they're good and they're putting on good, great races. And, uh, you know, they're, there's a there's a gunfight all the way to the end and to, all the way to Phoenix to see who's going to be crowned a champion, you know what I mean? But Centric and... Uh, Briscoe, you know, those guys have been the – those guys are the ones that are kind of like the Denny Hamlin and Harvick of the Cup side, you know. But, but man, it's up for grabs for anybody, you know what I mean? So it's, it's, uh, it's like I said, in all three national NASCAR series, the truck series, you know, it's uh, – they're all uh, exciting races, and uh, they all keep you tuned in just because uh, the, the – the race for the chase to win the championship is pretty exciting in all three series. You know what I mean? So, but you know, to, 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 to elaborate a little bit on what you were saying, you know, having the cup guys race in the Xfinity's in the truck series over the years, you know, sometimes it's not a bad thing. You know, I don't like it when, when every race you, or, you know, a majority of the races, you got the cup guys that are coming in and winning the races that, that kind of gets old for the fans, but as a competitor, once a competitor in a truck series and, and competing in the Xfinity series, if you can beat a Kyle Busch or you can beat a Kevin Harvick, and when I was racing trucks, you know, Tony Stewart and Harvick would come race trucks with us, and when you beat those guys, you know, you kind of measured up your, your talent level. So, you know, you watch them guys win on Sundays, and then they drop down to the truck series or the Xfinity series and you compete against them. And if you can beat them or race door handle to door handle with them, it kind of says, Hey man, you know, I, I'm just as good as they are. You know what I mean? So right. it really, it really just kind of measures up your talent or and your team and your equipment 
you know, sometimes it's not a bad thing to have a Kyle Busch or a Kevin Harvick or Martin Truex Jr. or whoever it may be drops down and race with you just because when you beat them, it just lets you know, hey, man, you know, I'm just as good as they are and our teams are as well, you know what I mean? So, but to have them there every week, I think that's not good. But to have them there every once in a while doesn't hurt. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> sure, sure. David, yeah. uh, last thing, and then we'll let you go on this. I, I got to know. I know they're not on your car this weekend, but as a Texas guy, how, how cool is it when you get Whataburger on the car? I mean, that is my favorite uh-huh. fast food burger. Every time I go home to Oklahoma, that is my first stop is to get me a double water burger with cheese and mayo and no onions. Uh, you know, sometimes the patty melt. I mean, I, I look at your car, man, and I get hungry every time. <laughs> no, that's, Hey man, like I said earlier, you know, you just, you're just fortunate and blessed, uh, to be part of such a great sport. And then to have a, a great company like Waterburger be on your car. <laughs> I mean, to, to represent such a, a cool, uh, a fine business. institution. <laughs> no doubt about it, man. I mean, I've, I've been eating a Whataburger since I was a little boy, you know, and to be able to represent that on, on and off the racetrack, I mean, you know, it's like, man, how's that happen? You know what I mean? But right. I can just tell you, you know, I love their burgers. I love their fries, their shake. Ooh. You know, I just, man, just every, I love their hamburgers. You know yeah. what I mean? And, and uh, What's man, your go-to and, order at Whataburger? Well, man, I'm just the number one guy. I'm, I'm, I mean, all my wife says, hey, you're a creature of habit. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> <laughs> I'm a creature of habit. You know what I mean? When I pull through the drive-thru, you know, she's like, you know, you're a pretty vanilla guy. You get the same thing every time. But, man, I just can't go wrong with the, with the water burger with cheese and, you know, kind of the same thing. I like lettuce and pickles, mayonnaise, mustard, and, uh, no onions, no tomatoes, you know. And <laughs> I love their onion rings and, and a good old Dr. Pepper. It works for me every time, you know. And uh, so, anyway, it's, uh, man, it's an honor. I can just say it's an honor. It's an honor. It's an honor to have such a great company to want to be involved in, in an awesome sport. You know, I'm just blessed. I thank God every day that that I have any sponsor. You know what I mean? Just right. all the sponsors it takes to to uh, for me to be able to compete and and NASCAR is just it's just unbelievable. You know, <laughs> you know the small ones to the big ones. Yeah, <laughs> you're just thankful for all of them. You know what I mean? Oh, and, no uh, question. Well, and it's uh, much. David, we've uh, we're out of time, but man, we got all sorts of stories to tell in the coming weeks when we do this podcast. Uh, you know, I mean, I, last time I had dinner with David, and we go to Olive Garden, and he orders, asks them if they can make him a Dr Pepper float. I, I didn't even know Olive Garden had ice cream, let alone could make him a float, a Dr Pepper. I mean, he's a character. So, folks, I think you're going to enjoy David. We're going to have a lot of fun, and uh, should be great. David, looking forward to having you in town this weekend, man. Best of luck. We'll be cheering on that 07 car. Maybe, uh, maybe you can find your way to a to victory lane or something. Uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. But appreciate the time as always, my friend. Hey, right, man. Thank you for having me. Man, I look forward to seeing everybody at the racetrack. Big thanks to David Starr for joining us here on the Jones Report today. Tyler Jones back here with you now, joined by Thomas Bridges and Brian O'Connor for this week's O'Connor Advisory Group Pigskin Pick'em Picks Against the Spread. We have five college games and five NFL games, and if any of these games get canceled or postponed, we will do a swap a and we'll let you know 
on social media. We've already had to change out one game before we started this week. Let's go ahead and go over the lineup this week. It all starts with number three, Georgia, versus number two, Alabama. And we went with the opening line. That's Alabama as a seven-and-a-half-point favorite. Since Nick Saban has uh, gone down with COVID, that line is now down to three-and-a-half. We'll see if that game even happens, though. Kentucky taking on Tennessee. The Vols are a a six-and-a-half-point favorite at home. Number 11, Texas A&M taking on Mississippi State. A&M, a a six-and-a-half-point favorite on the road. Number 15, Auburn at South Carolina. The Tigers are a three-point favorite. Number eight, Cincinnati taking on Tulsa. And Cincinnati's a three-point favorite on the road. In the National Football League, the Chiefs taking on the Bills in Buffalo. The Chiefs a three-and-a-half-point favorite. The Packers taking on the Buccaneers in Tampa. Aaron Rodgers and company slightly favored at one-and-a-half. The Browns taking on the Steelers in Pittsburgh. The Steelers a four-and-a-half-point favorite. The Bears and the Panthers squaring off in Carolina. Carolina, two-and-a-half-point favorite. And on Sunday Night Football, it's the Rams and the 49ers. That game taking place in Santa Clara. And the Niners are a three-and-a-half-point underdog to the L.A. Rams as uh, Brian O'Connor and Thomas Bridges join me right now. Brian, we'll start out with you first off. Uh, tell us what's going on, man, at uh, O'Connor Advisory Group this week. All right, Tyler. Hey, thanks for having us on. Um, O'Connor Advisory Group, so it's, but now we're getting into this time of year, coming up on the 15th. The 15th of October starts open enrollment for Medicare supplements. So if you know anybody who's 65 and up, they're thinking about their Medicare, I don't do the supplement thing, but what I can do is help them with their finances. It's a great time to look at their finances and their budget for next year, and we want to be a part of that and help them out. That's uh, fantastic. And uh, where could people get a hold of you, man? Uh, you can check us out on O'Connor Advisory Group on Facebook. It's O apostrophe C O N N O R Advisory Group on Facebook. Or you can call me 785 856 0720. If you do have questions and need help with your Medicare supplements, I've got a great partner who can give you a help. And he, no matter what state you're licensed in, he can give you a hand. So. 0720 is the number to schedule an appointment today. Check out. Uh, Brian O'Connor, and uh, tell them that uh, Tyler Jones sent you, and you'll be glad you did. Let's go ahead and uh, get after it, guys, uh, starting off with uh, number three, Georgia, versus number two, Alabama. Bama opened as a seven-and-a-half-point favorite. It looks like they'll be going this game without their head coach, Nick Saban, and uh, Steve Sarkeesian, the offensive coordinator, will kind of lead the duties, uh, I guess, for Alabama. Bo, we'll start with you. Uh Georgia's looked pretty impressive so far at this point. Alabama, I'm surprised how bad their defense looked against Ole Miss. How do you see this game playing out? really wanted to be last on this one because I'm going to say something that no one's going to believe. <laughs> Even before Saban got COVID, I like Georgia. I think Georgia is the best team in college football. Okay. And I'm picking not just cover – I'm picking them to win this game at Alabama. Ooh. I was picking them to win this game before the change in the spread as well. I think they're the most complete team, offense and defense, in the country. I'll take Georgia. How about that? Uh, Thomas Bridges, uh, what do you think about this matchup, man? I will also take Georgia as well. Now, I'm not as confident that, that Georgia's just going to outright win this game. Um, but with, you know, Alabama being a, a seven and a half point favorite, I, 
I like my chances. I like whoever takes Georgia's chances uh, here on this one, at, at least to cover. Uh, uh, I mean, with the way that Alabama played versus Ole Miss, yeah, they pulled away in the end, but towards the end of the third quarter, it was like all knotted up. Uh, and, and Alabama couldn't find a way to stop Ole Miss. Uh, I mean, give credit where credit's due. Ole Miss, I think, played a hell of a game. And they just they couldn't stop. Uh, they couldn't stop Alabama's office, couldn't stop the running game. Uh, I mean, but hell, old Miss, I mean, you got to give it to them. They, they, th- that looked like a big 12 game. Yeah, it did. Um, I, I guess we're going three for three. This seems so bizarre that all of us are picking against Alabama, but no Nick Saban involved here. Uh, this is kind of easy at seven and a half. I'm with you, Bo. I like what I've seen from Georgia this year. They look so complete on both sides of the ball. I know they had some question marks about who their quarterback would be, but it hasn't really mattered as they've been good everywhere else. And quite frankly, and this sounds even weird to say, Georgia's defense I think is significantly better than Alabama's is right now. I'll take Georgia in the points. Uh, and I don't know if I'd like them to quite win outright. That's where I still kind of you know, stop the presses there for a second, but seven and a half points. I think Georgia can keep this within three or four points at the very least, uh, as far as that goes. Kentucky taking on number 18, Tennessee. The Vols, a six and a half point favorite. Tom, we'll start with you this time. What are you thinking about this matchup? You know what? I mean, Tennessee, I still think that they're a little overranked. Uh, I mean, well, no, at 18, I, I guess not, but. Kentucky's one of those teams I thought that had a little bit of hype at the beginning of the season, too. Um, so this is, for me, this is kind of a, a, a toss-up type game here, to be honest. This one, this is one that I kind of like struggled thinking, well, Tennessee at six and a half. If it was any more than that, I would be more apt to pick Kentucky. However, I do think Tennessee can win this game by a touchdown. So I will take the Vols. All right. So that's one for Tennessee. Uh, I'm going to go Tennessee in this game as well. Um, I, I like what I've seen from the Vols this year. Even last week, losing to Georgia, they competed for, you know, two and a half, three quarters right there with uh, with Georgia. And it uh, seems like there's significant improvement there with Jeremy Pruitt. Kentucky kind of disappointed. I expected more out of them in uh, 2020. I'll go with Tennessee to win this game by a touchdown. I think that six and a half is fine. What do you think, Bo? Okay, so going back to the first game real quick. Um, you notice what happens when we all agree? <laughs> we lose. I know I texted you earlier in the week about we need to see what our record is when we all agree because I'm betting it's sub 500. Um, that is not the reason I'm picking this the way I'm picking it, but I'm picking UK. I'm picking Kentucky. Um, here's what I looked at. Kentucky lost this game last year by four points. UK lost Ole Miss by one earlier in the season. Kentucky's defense just held Mississippi State to two points. UK's, for the uh, their last week, their performance at Mississippi State was the first time a Mike Leach coached team did not score a touchdown in a game since he's been a head coach. Every game he's ever coached, he has scored at least one offensive touchdown until last week against Kentucky. Kentucky's defense is a monster. I'm thinking Kentucky, give me the points. Okay. So uh, we got one for Kentucky there, two for Tennessee. Number 11, Texas A&M taking on 
Mississippi State. This was a game that we swapped in, actually. Originally, it was LSU-Florida. The Aggies are a six-and-a-half-point favorite against uh, Mississippi State here on the road. Um, you know, we, we made fun of Texas A&M on this show last week. All three of us did. Um, calling Kellen Mond and Jimbo Fisher frauds and, and all that. Um, last week was impressive. Uh, I'll, I'll give them that. Uh, Florida is a good football team, and you know Texas A&M went toe-to-toe for four quarters and, and, and played well offensively. That offense was good. Uh, Mississippi State had a nice win week one against LSU, but they've been kind of MIA ever since then. Give me A&M at six and a half to cover in this one. But I'm I'm not feeling confident because Bo, I, the way I look at this, it kind of depends on what Mississippi State team is going to show up here. Yeah, so um, I still think that A and M is a fraud. Um, I'm just I'm not going to let one game change my mind. I do think they went toe to toe with Florida. Now we see Florida with what 19 guys with COVID, so maybe they were just tired. That's that's my huh. likely excuse. <laughs> that is a side um, effect. It's a side effect. You you lose when you have COVID. Um, Hey, I, I was looking at this and I didn't know what to think. I I tend to think that I'm not going to overreact from AM having the one game last week that was really good. They're still allowing 34 points a game. AM is. And they're averaging, this is average this season, allowing 299 yards passing per game. Now we all know Mississippi State has now averaging now over 400 yards per game. That's after last week only scoring two points, which covers the safety. So um, Mississippi State put up the most number of yards in the history of the SEC against LSU earlier this year. I like Mississippi State. It's hard to not take the Pirate and the points. So I'm taking Mississippi State. All right. So both so far you've picked all underdogs to this point here. Uh, so that's something uh, interesting to uh, follow there. Tom, who are you going with this time? Vegas is pulling me in on the dogs here because, you know, six and a half, I think they can, I think they can win by, uh, I think they can win by a touchdown. Uh, I mean, it's, it, it's, this is kind of a toss up game too, because it really depends for me what A&M team shows up and what Mississippi state team shows up. All right. So, uh, so you'll go A&M slightly to cover that uh, margin there. Number 15, Auburn taking on South Carolina. The uh, Tigers are a three-point favorite on the road in uh, this game. Auburn should have lost last week. Uh, you know, Arkansas was straight-up robbed. Auburn has been, I think, one of the most disappointing teams in the country this year. There was high expectations for Bo Nix and company, and, you know, they looked bad against Georgia. And then last week, should have lost that, too. Um you know, go ahead and, and sell the stock on uh, Auburn right now as far as I'm concerned. Uh, this pick for me, guys, I'm going with South Carolina to cover the three-point underdog here, but it's not necessarily about South Carolina. It's more so I'm selling Auburn here. That's why i got to go with uh, the Gamecocks in this one. I'll go South Carolina to cover. Uh, Tom, we'll start with you this time. Who you got here? Yeah, i got to have to take South Carolina too. This was pretty much a game. For me, that if this was an Auburn, I would t- I would go ahead and take Auburn and another close one for them. But uh, I'm selling the farm. Uh, selling the farm on Auburn. I I kind of shocked to be honest. Uh, I mean, they should not have beaten Arkansas. That should have been uh, a Hogs win. And you know, they just have underperformed. They really shouldn't even be there. I mean, the record doesn't reflect the team right now. 
Uh, I'll, you know, because it's in South Carolina, I'll have to go with the Gamecocks. All right. Uh, so there's two for South Carolina. Bo, who are you going with? We're in we're in agreement here. I hate this. <laughs> right. I'm also taking South Carolina. Uh, it's not because I went there for a year. Uh, it's because I like South Carolina scores 30 points a game. Um, Auburn only scores 21 points a game. South Carolina lost to Tennessee by four. They lost big to Florida at Florida. Um, I think Tennessee and Auburn are kind of similar as far as the quality of players. I think Tennessee is better coaching, honestly. Um, I think South Carolina plays this game closer with Auburn. I can still see it going either way, but I think if I'm going to err to the side, I'm going to take South Carolina plus three. I think it's really kind of a three-point game, so – I'm taking the points. All right. Uh, last college game, number eight, Cincinnati taking on Tulsa. This game going to be played at H.A. Chapman Stadium in Tulsa. Cincinnati, a three-point favorite. Tom, we'll start with you this time. You're the only one of us that's seen Tulsa in person this year. The Golden Hurricanes in two games have played fairly well. They went all the way to the wire with Oklahoma State, and then they pulled off the upset win against UCF in Orlando here. What are you thinking about Tulsa's chances as they welcome the number eight team in the country to town? You know, it makes me almost regret picking Cincinnati here because I'm sure I'm going to eat crow, uh, and that's okay. I, I think it'll be a close game again. Can Tulsa pull up another upset? Uh, I mean, Cincinnati in the real world would not be ranked eight. Uh, though I'm rooting, I'm going to pick Cincinnati. I will root for Tulsa. If it means I lose this, lose this pick them game and Tulsa wins, that just looks better for OSU. Um, and so I'm all on board with that. I don't know if they can make magic happen again. Um, I think Cincinnati wins. I think it's close. I think it's under 10 points. I think Cincinnati probably wins by a touchdown. Um, but who knows? I could be wrong. I wouldn't have picked, uh, Tulsa in their last game, and and you and I were rooting them on your couch, um, you know, it's Saturday ago. So, who knows? I, I'll like I said, I've got to root for the hometown team, but I will pick against them. I'll take Cincinnati. You know, I, I really like what I've seen from Zach Smith at the quarterback position. That is the best the Tulsa offense has looked in a long time. Um, I'm going to pick Tulsa as the underdog here not just because I love the city of Tulsa more than Thomas does, uh, but I think that <laughs> Tulsa could make this game interesting here. I'm not quite buying Cincinnati just yet. Cincinnati still may win this game, but I think Tulsa can keep it within three points. I'll go with uh, the Golden Hurricane. Rain Kane, keep the momentum uh, up from the last couple of weeks, and uh, they're 2-0 against the spread so far this year. Why not be 3-0, right? Uh, Bo, round us out here on the uh, last college game. Okay, so I was going back and forth. I try to study both teams a little bit because I don't know much about them. Um, I like Cincinnati. They are not the eighth best team in the country. Thomas hit that right on the head. If there was Big Ten and Pac-12 teams in the rankings, Cincinnati would probably be around a 15 to 18 right now. Um, having said that, Cincinnati's defense is great. Uh, they're averaging only 12. They only allow 12 points a game. Tend to think they can outscore most teams. I'm going to go with Cincinnati. If it was a wider spread, if it were closer to a well, touchdown, not- I'd probably take Tulsa. But I think I'm going to take Cincinnati in this case, just minus three. 
There you have it. We are uh, moving on from Cincinnati, Bill Belichick, um, <laughs> to the National Football League. This is going to be an early game on Monday. Uh, odd start time, 4 o'clock central time between the Chiefs and the Bills. The Bills laid an egg against Tennessee. I didn't see that coming uh, last week. Uh, but nonetheless, the uh, Chiefs are a three-and-a-half-point favorite. you got to think the Bills are going to be coming in hungry in this game, looking to rebound after how that game went against Tennessee a week ago. The Chiefs, same thing could be said for them, coming off a loss to the Raiders, uh, a game that they were expected to win and have no problems with. Um, you know, it's dangerous dealing with a team that's coming off a loss, but both these teams are in that situation here. I think the Chiefs are the better team. Um, I think that they'll win this one by a touchdown. I know that they're not great against the spread so far this year. The Chiefs are like we've seen uh, the last couple of years, but I would imagine that Raiders game was a wake-up call. I think Patrick Mahomes and company, uh, you know, they step up for these bigger games. We saw it with the Texans. We saw it with the Ravens. Um, when they play an opponent that's worthy of their challenge, then Andy Reid and company kick it up a couple notches. I like the Chiefs here by seven. I think they cover uh, three and a half there. Uh, Bo, let's go with you this time. What are you thinking between the Chiefs and the Bills? Okay, I like the Chiefs. Um, I Okay, so I'm, I'm of two minds here. One, I'm just not sure on the Josh Allen thing yet. The thing I don't like is he fumbles. I don't like quarterbacks who fumble. Um, that means they have a problem getting the ball in their hands. They're looking elsewhere where they should be getting the – worry about the protection of the ball. Um, now, having said that, I think the Chiefs have a problem. The Chiefs have a problem that it was exposed last week. And I thought I saw a little bit of it the week before um, when they played the Chargers. Or I guess it was two weeks ago they played the Chargers. Um, Chiefs are having trouble running the football. Uh, no one's talking about it. Everyone loves Mahomes. He's great. Yes, he is. No Sammy Watkins. Means that the Chiefs had better start running the damn football. If they don't, it's not going to hurt them in the seeding of the playoffs. They're still going to win 13 or 14 games. They may lose, may lose 12. They're still going to be one of the top seeds. But if you can't run the football in the playoffs, you're going to have a problem. And they're going to come across a team like the Titans who can run the football. So if the Chiefs are going to win this game against Buffalo, they're going to have to run the football. If they do, they win, and they can win by a much larger spread than three and a half. The stat that I'm going to look at the rest of the season when it comes to the Chiefs is rushing yards. That's going to be their best predictor of when they're winning or not. Everyone falls in love with Mahomes' big arm, and the big plays are great, but they don't mean anything if they can't hand the ball to Edwards Hilaire, they can't hand the ball up to somebody and let them get four and a half yards per carry, period, point blank. Now, I do think they can do that. I think the Chiefs are talented enough to do it. I think they're just not doing it. I think this week they get back to it. I think with, with having Sammy Watkins out, Chiefs win. I think they win by about six or seven. I'll lay the points. All right, so that's two for the Chiefs. Tom, who you got here? Jones, uh, I'm going to go with the Bills here. Ooh. Uh, you know, I said last week that I should have picked the Raiders, and I said, no, I'm going to go ahead and stick with the Chiefs. Wrong. I mean – they had the Chargers game where they didn't look super impressive. Honestly, I think the Patriots exposed them. And then I think the Raiders, I think Gruden said, licked his chops and said, oh, well, we got some tape. Whatever the Patriots did 
we've got a better offense than Brian Hoyer and crew. Uh, and then they, I think they laid that game plan on from the Patriots game and ran with it. And look what happened. Uh, I think the bills are going to do somewhat the same. Uh, I mean, chiefs could very well win this game by three points. Uh, but you know, I think that, I think that the, I think the bills could end up winning this game. It is in Buffalo. It was an arrowhead. I might think a little differently, but uh, I'm going to learn from last week, and I'm going to take the Bills. All right, so uh, we got one for the Bills, two for the Chiefs. How about the Packers taking on the Buccaneers? The uh, Packers are a a one-and-a-half-point favorite on the road in Tampa. The Packers have just been phenomenal this season, certainly surpassing expectations. They're still undefeated 5-0 and on the year. The Buccaneers at 3-2, and kind of in desperation mode at this point as uh, they have this home game uh, against Green Bay. Um, you know, I don't know if it's necessarily a must-win game for Tampa, but it's pretty dang close as uh, they really had no business losing to Chicago on a Thursday night of last week. So they've had a couple days extra to get ready. They certainly need it on uh, in uh, this matchup here. I really like what the Bucks can do this season, but they're still trying to figure some things out. The Packers are a well-oiled machine right now. i got to take the Packers and the points on the road at one and a half. Uh, I'll go with a gang ring there to uh, get that one done. Tom, who you got here between the Packers and the Bucks? You know, I said it all season on how much I like Aaron Rodgers and the said that he was going to have a comeback season. Uh, I don't like, you know, I, there's no way that I see the Packers losing this game. Uh, they're playing too hot right now. You know, like you mentioned, the Bucks are still trying to figure out some kinks. Uh, they did have no business losing to the Bears, and I sat back in my karaoke host chair and smiled all the way halfway to the bank, considering our bet. Uh, and I should be smiling again this week. All right, uh, Bo, who are you going with here? I'm going with the team that has the better quarterback. The team that, and what I mean by that, I mean historically the better quarterback. The one is the more skilled quarterback, which means I'm going with the Packers. Ooh, Aaron Rodgers is the most highly skilled quarterback I've ever seen. I'm on the same. I'm in the same boat with Chris Sims on that. He's the most. He's the best quarterback I've ever seen play the game. You'd put that ahead of Mahomes. I, I, yeah, and he is the most highly skilled quarterback I've ever seen play play, play the game. That means he's the best player I've ever sure. seen. I mean, Tom Brady's got more rings. Peyton Manning has more yards. But I've never seen anybody who can do everything Aaron Rodgers does. Um, I think the Packers are the best team in the NFL right now. Um, I don't think they're going to lose a game for a little while now. And I don't think they're going to have any problem going to Tampa and taking it to old man Brady and that team. Um, do you know what the Packers do that people don't realize they do, though? Run the ball. They run the football. Yes. <laughs> yeah, everyone loves Aaron Rodgers. I love Aaron Rodgers, but I'm telling you, they run the football. Aaron Jones. They, they Aaron Jones, because they, they get inside the five. It's no longer Rodgers having to make a play to score a touchdown. They have confidence enough in Aaron Jones. If, if I was going to put the two best teams against each other right now, I would pick the Chiefs and I'd pick the Packers, and I think the Packers would beat them. I'm taking the Packers. Um, I don't like that we all pick the Packers, but I I like the Packers in this game. So three for three on the Packers is uh, the route that we go there, all taking them to cover at one and a half in Tampa Bay. The Browns and the Steelers. 
If I would have told you before the season began that these two teams would be meeting and the Browns would be 4-1 and and the Steelers would be 4-0, and you probably wouldn't have believed me. Pittsburgh, four-and-a-half-point favorite at home. And, uh, I mean, what about Claypool last week, guys? This guy had four touchdowns, rookie receiver. I think the Steelers already found the replacement for Juju. Uh, I would not expect him to be back uh, in the uh, black and gold next season. What, what do you think about this matchup, Bo, between the uh, Steelers and the Browns here uh, at uh, this point in the season? What are you thinking here? react last week on the Browns when they beat up the Cowboys the way they did. Um, and it was a, a bludgeoning. But then they came out and scored a bunch of points this past week, too. I like the Browns. Ooh. I'm not sure how I feel about Baker's played better than I thought he would. Um, Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham are playing out of their minds right now, especially Beckham. They somehow got Beckham to buy in. That's huge. Beckham bought in. They're going to be tough to beat. And I think he wants to assert himself and tell everybody that he's still one of the best receivers in the league, uh, if not the best. I think he's incredibly talented. I'm going to take the Browns plus the points here. Okay. All right. So one for the Browns. Uh, Tom, who are you going with? You know, I'm going to have to go and roll with the Steelers. Uh, I think it'll be close game, closer than what I would have imagined maybe at the beginning of the season, but uh, I, I like what the Steelers are still doing. I still think they have probably the best defense in the league. Uh, and, and you know, Baker is, as much as it pains me to say, Baker looks better this year. He looks like he's taking a step. Oh, it doesn't pain uh, you at all. You know you love Baker. Oh, it, it hurts me. It, oh, no, it, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. It, kill, it kills my soul, but I, I'll be rooting for the Steelers this week. You love every minute of uh, seeing Baker play good, and you don't have to lie for us. That's okay. That's okay. Um, But I got to tell you, the Browns have certainly impressed. Uh, Stefanski looks like he's fixed Baker Mayfield and got that offense rolling. They're without uh, Nick Chubb right now, and Kareem Hunt's doing a really good job carrying the load there for the Browns. The Steelers, that offense, they needed them to kind of kick it up a little bit. Uh, to, to carry their weight after as good as the defense was playing. They showed that last week. I, I'm telling you, I'm all in. If I could buy stock in uh, Chase Claypool right now, I would. Um, I'll go with the Steelers to win this game, but I think the Browns can keep it close. I think it's a touchdown win for the Steelers uh, on a Sunday. Bears taking on the Panthers. Panthers have certainly been a surprise in the league this year. The Panthers are a two-and-a-half-point favorite. The Bears uh, have impressed so far. Uh, Tom, you buying in to a Nick Foles, or are you going with uh, Teddy and company there in Carolina? You know, I like what both teams have been able to do. Uh, I like the switch to Nick Foles, and I like it enough to go ahead and take the Bears. This is a toss-up game for me. I almost picked Carolina, but I'll I'll roll with the Bears here. Bo, what are you thinking? So a week ago, or two weeks ago, I jumped out there early on the Bears and said, boy, I really like the Bears. And then they blew it against the Colts. I'm back on the Bears wagon. I'm taking the Bears plus plus the points in Carolina. I just, I'm not, I think Carolina not having McCaffrey is a big deal. And I'm just not a, I think Teddy Bridgewater is the kind of quarterback that can, it's like the thing from the program. You know, he can get you a split over four games, but he's not going to want to win a game for um, the Carolina defense isn't great. I'm going to take the Bears. I may regret it later, but take, give me the Bears. 
All right, uh, three for three. I'm going with DeBez. Uh I like uh, them as an underdog here. I think they win this outright. Carolina, I've been impressed. Matt Rule's doing a great job there, but eventually that luck is going to run out. The Bears are just a better team, uh, personally. I think the Bears take care of business. Last one, the Rams and the 49ers. Rams are the three-and-a-half-point favorite. The Niners just looked awful last week against the Dolphins. They should be a little bit healthier this week. Uh, for uh, this matchup against uh, the Rams here, Tom, three and a half for your Rams. What are you thinking here? Uh, I think they should they should take care of business. I will take the Rams. There's no reason that they shouldn't take care of business. Uh, I mean, they're coming back from Washington, where I, you know that sack on Alex Smith scared me. I was like, Aaron Donald, don't be the bad guy, don't do it. Uh, but then you know that leg held up fine. Donald is the N- NFC Defensive Player of the Week. Tied his career or tied his most sacks in a game for his career, and is also the NFL sack leader. Uh, I think it continues this week. I got the Rams. Okay, uh, Bo, who are you thinking on this one? Okay, I got the Rams as well. But uh, here's uh, this is my WTF thing, and we don't mean what the fuck. I mean wrong team favorite. <laughs> The Rams are going to win this game. I have zero doubts. If I was going to lay my money on a game this week, this was the one. I'd play the money line. Give me the Rams. I'm a believer of the Rams. I still think they're the best team in the West, and I'm taking them all the way. I'm I'm with you guys, too. I like the Rams at three and a half. I think this line is very kind to the Rams here. Um, You know, this is the one that you put the mortgage on and – uh, you know, the home loan, all that stuff. Put it on the Rams here at three and a half. I, I don't see any reason why the Niners should be considered within four points of the Rams. The Rams are on a whole nother level right now. I will say this. Um, we mentioned You mentioned this with the Chiefs, Bo. The Rams need to figure out that running game. Uh, you know, they got this committee thing going, and I know that's better than paying Todd Gurley. I get that. Uh, but they have to get some more consistency with the run game. It doesn't matter if they run the football here or not. The Niners are not good right now. I'll go with the Rams to cover at a three and a half. So those are our picks for this week. And uh, I'm the top dog right now, boys. You're you're all playing catch up to me. I'm 26, 21, and three on the year. Uh, I went, how many wins did I have last week? I had six wins, four losses, so decent week. Um, Thomas, you're, uh, behind me one game back at 25, 22 and three, not a great week for you last week, just three wins. And, uh, Bo, you are, uh, at 24, 23 and three. So you're, you're about two games back is all that's not bad. Um, and, uh, last week, uh, you went five and five. So we're all within striking distance of each other. TJ Reeves, uh, he went with Alabama, Tennessee, Mississippi state, Auburn, Tulsa, the chiefs, bucks. Steelers, Panthers, and Niners this week. So, based on TJ's record of 19, 28, and 3, just fade all those picks. Um, <laughs> and, and he did pick different than most of us. We're good to go. <laughs> Say that again, Bo. As long as we don't all agree, right. at least someone's going to be right. Right. Exactly. So, there you have it. Those are our picks for this week. And I follow along all season with the O'Connor Advisory Group pigskin pick them uh bo before we run here uh remind people where they can uh, reach out to you and see all that's happening here at o'connor advisory group 
and you know we're, we're going through this thing at the end of the year here we've got um, open enrollment for medicare coming up uh, it's a great time if you want to look at your finances to try to get something either started or if you've got that old 401k you're like what the hell is this you don't know what to do with it you changed jobs this past year or sometime in the last few years give me a call i'd love to chat with you and see how we can help you out with that awesome stuff and uh bo and i we got a great football game we're going to do Friday night, Lawrence High and Olathe North, two of the top teams in 6A. You'll want to check that out, 7 o'clock on a Uclick TV. Bo, appreciate the time as always. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you, guys. Y'all have a great week. A couple things before we get out of here on the Jones Report today. We mentioned it off the top, the NASCAR race weekend at Kansas Speedway. And uh, 10,000 fans going to be in attendance for Sunday's race, Chase Elliott on the pole, Clint Boyer, his final race before he retires, uh, his final full-time race at a Kansas Speedway. He might do a one-off down the road of sorts, uh, but a lot of interesting headlines going into Sunday's race here, and uh, you know, first of those, we'll get to Boyer in just a second, but just the NASCAR playoff has uh, been super exciting so far to this point. We're down to the round of eight, which uh, includes, at uh, this point in time in the uh, NASCAR playoff standings, uh, Denny Hamlin and uh, Kevin Harvick are atop the standings. They each have won a whole lot of races uh, so far this year. That would be a uh, total of nine wins for Harvick, seven for Hamlin. Keselowski's got four wins. He's in third. Chase Elliott, he won last week at the Charlotte Roval. He's got three wins. Uh, Joey Logano in fifth with two wins. And then you got Truex, Bowman, and Kurt Busch, who each have a win this season as well. And, uh, you know, clearly, Tom, it seems, uh, you know, going in not only for this race, but the championship itself. I would say that this race is a good uh, you know, indicator for the championship. You might have the winner of this race be the champion, because the two guys on top, Kevin Harvick and Denny Hamlin, have probably been the most successful as of late at Kansas Speedway here. Not only are those two the ones to beat for the championship, but they're probably the two to beat uh, come Sunday as well uh, for that Hollywood Casino 400. Yeah, you would have to imagine there. I mean, not only for the championship, like you said, but this weekend as well. I mean, uh, you know, for whatever I guess it's worth and not in the – championship racing part of it or the playoff i mean uh boy or you said starting 12th i mean for me yeah i mean implications as far as the playoff but for me is more of a nostalgia and a guy's trying to see a guy go out at his at his home racetrack uh is there any chance for your boy clint this weekend you know i, I wouldn't rule it out but kansas is actually not one of his better tracks <laughs> He has kind of struggled over the years at Kansas Speedway, and uh, you'd love to see him compete. That 12th place start, you can work with that. Um, the thing that, that has hurt Clint, Tom, that I would say that you can point to this being the same thing with Kyle Busch and some of these others is just these practice and qualifying sessions not being there, um, that it has been a game changer for these guys. A guy like Clint Boyer, he needs laps. He needs more seat time to figure out his car. Kevin Harvick just jumps in it, and they figure out the car as the race is going along. Um, you know, Clint, he needs that lap time, and I think that's what hurt him this year. He, yes, he did make the playoff, but 
some of these races where he could have been contending for wins potentially where he just didn't have that seat time. So uh, Fords have certainly been fast, and he has a capable team there at Stuart Haas, but uh, I wouldn't quite say he gets it done. I think he'll have a good run nonetheless uh, here at Kansas Speedway. But, you know, the, the biggest surprise this season has been the defending champion Kyle Busch, who uh, has not won a race in 2020. He's already been eliminated from the NASCAR playoffs. But with four races to go, it's still hard to fathom the idea of Kyle Busch, who's the best driver of his generation, of his era, who's won all these races uh, and can jump in anything. It's hard to imagine him not getting a win at some point this season. He's very close as well. He's won at Kansas Speedway before. Um I would not rule out Kyle Busch to uh, get this win, to get things done. If you're looking for a sleeper and a guy that's not in the playoff or not named Kevin Harvick or Denny Hamlin, um, I still would not count out Kyle Busch to get that first win of the season there at uh, Kansas Speedway. I know that you know he's a guy that, like Boyer, needs that practice time. He's used to, we're seeing you know Kyle Busch run Xfinity and truck races, you know, on the weekends and getting all that time in the car. He's not getting that, not getting to practice, not getting to qualify. But I still think that there's a good chance Kyle Busch finds a way into victory lane. That's a guy I'd watch for on Sunday, Tom. Yeah, if it's not going to be Denny Hamlin, and we know Denny Hamlin's track record at Kansas, how well he does. Uh, if it's not going to be him, I'd say Kyle Busch, too. Uh, I mean, it's it's kind of shocking, you know to say we're this far in and talking about Kyle Busch's potential first win of the year. Uh, I, I mean, if you would have told me that at the beginning, I'd have said, well, I think he probably gets one before then. Um, but, yeah, you know, he's going to be looking for one. Um, and, you know, if, it, if it's not, obviously I'm rooting for Boyer this weekend. And if it's not him, uh, I and it, I would say probably Hamlin. Uh, but then again, you got a good point there. Kyle Busch is going to, you know, want to get one before it's all said and done this season, even if he's not in the playoff. Yeah. Um, the fact that his brother got a win before him and his brother's still in the playoff, Kurt Busch, he won at a Las Vegas uh, a couple weeks ago. That's a huge surprise uh, that that ended up that way. And we mentioned those top eight that are still remaining here. Um, I-, I would say that. You know, all eight of those guys uh, are capable of still winning on Sunday. None of those eight would surprise me if they got into victory lane. Um, and, and the championship chances, you know, I don't think Bowman or Kurt Busch are going to be winning the championship, but those other six are championship caliber drivers. Um, you know, you can you can get on a run of sorts here at Kansas. Meaning, you know, you look at Chase, he wins at the Roval last week. What if he wins at Kansas on Sunday? Then that'd give him back-to-back wins. that put him at four on the season. All of a sudden, Chase becomes a threat that we weren't talking about a couple weeks ago. You can change, you can reset your playoff with a win at Kansas Speedway, and it might present an opportunity to do that uh, come Sunday. And so we're certainly looking forward to it. The uh, Hollywood Casino 400 coming up this Sunday at 1.30 from Kansas Speedway certainly should be a uh, lot of fun and uh, looking forward to uh, being out there to uh, say the least. Tom, before we get out of here today, time for our Tom Fullery story of the week this week. Where are we going to head to this time? Jones, this one is in Missouri. Uh, Missouri. Specific, this one comes from the Riverfront Times 
And it's coming from O'Fallon, Missouri, which I'd never heard of before. And probably will never visit. But uh, Jones, I don't know your affinity for Taco Bell, but if it is, you can hit this guy up. Article reads, Missouri man lists frozen discontinued Taco Bell tacos for sale at only $200. Among the many cascading travesties that have defined the year of 2020, Taco Bell's inexplicable culling of many of its most popular items from its menu rates up there at, well, not very high actually, but it's still a solid and unnecessary kick in the balls during an already awful year. The news broke back in July that America's favorite house of varying obligations of cheese, meat, sour cream, beans, and tortilla would be removing some of the more novel forms of those five ingredients take from its menu in an effort to streamline operations while eliminating all of its potato options outright. Among the casualties, Jones, and one of these was my favorite, um, even though I'm not a huge fan of Taco Bell anymore, but... Among the casualties of the bloodbath are the grilled steak soft taco, the loaded grillers, that's the cheesy potato beefy nacho, the seven-layer burrito, the beefy Fritos burrito, and the, the spicy tostada triple-layer nachos, the spicy potato soft taco, cheesy fiesta potatoes, nacho supreme, chips and dip, and mini skillet bowls, as well as, like I said, my favorite, the quesarito. Uh, all got the knife. Uh, The massacre even includes the fast food chain's beloved Mexican pizza, uh, leading to an online petition to save that famed flat food stuff that's garnered more than 100,000 signatures. Jones, actually, I never had the Mexican pizza. I've never had it either, but I heard so many good things, and there was kind of a riot of sorts of people that are upset that thing was going away. And I was was kind of like, well... No more quesarito. Well, this is not a reason for me to go to Taco Bell anymore. Um, and all people took the news pretty hard. So against this backdrop, we at RFT, Riverfront Times, were excited to see that one local visionary had the forethought to secure and freeze three now discontinued potato soft tacos and list them for sale on the Facebook marketplace for the low, low price of only $200. According to the listing, the tacos are in mint condition and were brought straight from drive-thru to freezer. These babies are rare, the ad reads. Never been eaten. I hope not. Uh, (laughs) We reached out to the seller, Bryant Hoban of (laughs) O'Fallon, Missouri, and learned that the entrepreneurial scheme is part of a larger frozen fast food business idea for which the potato soft tacos are simply a trial run. I've had this idea of investment sandwiches where, like, you buy a limited offer sandwich in bulk, freeze it, and then sell it later for profit, Hoban explains. You know, like the McRib, McDonald's only offers it once a year, but the demand does not go away. So when I heard Taco Bell was discontinuing the potato soft, I decided it would be a good opportunity to test this idea out before McRib season. So far, things are going according to plan. Owen says he's actually still already sold two of the frozen tacos. He explains that he couldn't find a buyer for the full set of three, but he was able to sell to two individual buyers at a tiny <laughs> profit. I sold them for $70 a piece, he said. I recouped my investment. As it turns out, though, Hoban is having second thoughts about selling the third. When he purchased the tacos, he explains he ordered a few for himself to freeze and eat as well, which have since been consumed. As it happens, the potato soft taco was Hoban's favorite item on the menu. And seeing as how he may well be in possession of the last one in the world, he's hoping to find a way to replicate it and ensure that its potatoey goodness lives on. Once I got down to the last one, I realized 
that we need to preserve this for future generations to experience this delicious <laughs> being, he says. <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I get, I get it. So I'm holding on to it right now, and I'm hoping someone comes along and wants to maybe help preserve this potato soft taco. Owen says he's open to donating his last potato soft taco to science. With fingers crossed, they could retrieve the taco DNA for cloning a la Jurassic Park. Though he concedes everything has its price, <laughs> he's now more interested in conservation than compensation. I mean, if you had the last panda, you wouldn't sell it on Facebook, right? Jones, I don't think this is the most outrageous business idea I've ever heard. It's it's Tom Fuller for a reason, though. Yeah, um, I applaud the creativity of this guy to go about this. I can't think of anything, Tom, from Taco Bell that is worth keeping. When I go there, I order whatever is the $5 box of that week. Um, to me, there was just nothing that special that was, you know, hey, I got to have this for one last hoorah-rah before it's all said and done, or that was worth preserving of some sorts. But I'm not everybody. You know, if this guy wants to do that, more power to him to do this type of thing. There are some suckers out there that would pay $70 for those, you know, food items of some sorts. At the end of the day, it's still fast food. And the reality of it is, Tom, that here's what they do is these restaurants that they take these menu items that they say are only for a limited time or they're going to discontinue them or whatever. All they really do is they either bring them back again later and it gets hyped up of their return, or they bring them back under another name and a big promotion of some sorts, or maybe they tra change one ingredient or something, and that's just it. Um, this is not the end of the world. If your food was good enough, it will return in one way or the other. This is not worth uh, you know, putting in the... Uh, you know, storage shed, you know, burying underground for uh, to eat, you know, many, many years later uh, as far as that goes. Plus, I'm not a big fan of frozen food, to be honest. Like, you know, it's, in that case, give me the fresh Taco Bell. I don't, I don't want to eat 30-year-old Taco Bell. I'll pass. No thanks. Right. It still might even be good, um, but I would not eat that either. Jones, I will say, what is one item from a, it doesn't matter where it's from, fast food or not, uh, what is one food item that has been canceled that you thought was just a shame that you could not believe? Well, it hasn't necessarily been canceled. It's just an annual thing. But the one thing I would think about of paying to save and kind of just hold on to is the peach milkshake at Chick-fil-A. That thing is fantastic, and they only offer it for some who-knows-reason-why in the summertime. And it's the best drink that they have. It's the best milkshake around. I'll take the peach milkshake at Chick-fil-A over anything you get at Brahms, any of their ice cream milkshakes or something like that. I don't get why they don't offer it year-round. Uh, I've actually had numerous times, Tom, here's how passionate I am about the, the peach milkshake. Because of COVID, it, it got delayed of when they uh, were going to unleash it. I called Chick-fil-A here in Lawrence about three or four times asking them, hey, you got the peach milkshake yet? Is it here yet? Is it here yet? 
And finally it showed up and I was there the day it showed up. That's the thing that I would be waiting for is the peach milkshake at the Chick-fil-A. Um, that would be my go-to. What would be yours? Jones, that's a good one. You know, I've never had the peach milkshake, and now I'm disappointed that summer's no longer here and it's gone. I have to wait a whole nother year because I didn't even know about it, to be honest. Um, mine would be, and, and not everyone knows about Quick Trip. They don't. And I thought, I and obviously I have some friends that have worked for Quick Trip Corporate. I used to work for Quick Trip. I know a lot of people that work for Quick Trip. And I told them, and I know a person that's in the food science that determines what they take away and what they don't. Now, I would call him an acquaintance, not a, a friend, but I still know him enough to let him know about it. They took away, and they didn't have it for very long. Um, when I worked there, they had this thing called the, uh, not the split sausage, but they the, the square wrap. And it was sausage, egg, and cheese, all wrapped into a crunch wrap supreme style. If we're going to be on Taco Bell subject here. Put together kind of like that. And so they were doing Taco Bell better. They were doing Taco Bell better than Taco Bell was. Right. But the, the thing that they had going on the breakfast items, they had a split sausage square wrap. And it was one of the most delicious things I'd ever come across in my whole entire life as far as a breakfast item. It was a split actual breakfast sausage inside with egg and the best pepper jack cheese sauce known to man. It was spicy and it was delicious. And they got rid of it just as quickly as it came. It disappeared. And there there were people were saying, hey, what, what is he going on? And they were like, well, we may bring it back later. We're just trying to kind of get rid of. And here's another little insider thing. They're getting rid of all the hot seats, all the breakfast sandwiches. And now you're going to have to order them from the kitchen. Well, and, it just takes you know, more they won't time. be out there in the warmers anymore. People are trying to get in and out of exactly. the gas station. Exactly. That's what I said. That's what I said. And Jones, when I worked there back in 2012 to 2014, um, in an annual meeting, they said, listen, we're going to, in the coming years, we're going to get away from necessarily being just gas centered and we're going to go the food route. And they have. They have kept that promise and they are becoming more initiated on the food side of things, which, Jones, if you have not had the breakfast grilled cheese from Quick Trip, that is their next best thing, I think. It's top notch. I'll probably end up, now that I'm talking about, I'll probably go to Quick Trip in the morning and get one. Well, um, QT, they take the approach like a Casey's does, where Casey's says we're not a gas station, we're a general store. Um, and, you know, Quick Trip, they think of themselves, they're more than a gas station. No, you're still a gas station at the end of the day, and people are trying to get in and out there as quickly as possible. I love Quick Trip, don't get me wrong, but that would be a mistake if they get rid of the... Uh, the warmer things uh, with the sausage biscuits and all that stuff and the pizzas they put on there. and No one has time to sit and you know wait for something fresh. So they're, Half the they're time I go to Casey's and ask for pizza, they're out of pizza. I'm like, you have one duck job. You can't put the pizza on the thing? The, the roller? Come on. Right. Now, they're not getting to, they're not going completely away from the warmers. Like, the pizza will still be in there. They're actually, Jones, I don't know if you tried... They make like a brisket taco there that's actually really solid. Okay. 
Um, and they're, they're rolling those out. They're just doing it a little bit different than what we're used to. Quick Trip's and always a nice... You know, working so far. Quick Trip's always a nice cheap lunch. Um, you know, on the go. You don't want to spend your too much. You're trying to keep things cheap. You got three or four bucks. You can find yourself a nice cheap lunch to hold you over till you get home for dinner. Um, that's what I look at with, you know, getting those things at QT. That's a, uh, it's a good bargain. Good bang for your buck. As they say, as far as the Taco Bell thing goes, Tom, uh, you know, I like Taco Bell. Don't get me wrong, but I'll eat Taco Bueno any day before I eat Taco Bell. I only eat Taco Bell, uh, you know, around here from time to time because we don't have Taco Bueno in Lawrence. I got to go to Olathe or Kansas City, Kansas, go to the Speedway to get any Taco Bueno around here. Right, yeah, we did discuss Taco John's. Uh, they do have one of those there in Lawrence. They don't have any of those here anywhere around Bartlesville or Tulsa. At least I haven't seen them. But, you know, I feel like the Mexican fast foods are on the decline. I mean, Bueno here in, in Oklahoma is kind of getting shut down everywhere. I mean, Taco Bell is not what it once was. They want to streamline operations, but they're getting rid of the best items that made them what they are i mean the normal taco there is trash to be honest uh i mean quick trips tacos right now are much better than anything taco bell is releasing out um you know taco mile jones you like taco mile it's okay it's not bad but there's not really a a uh, fast food Mexican restaurant that I know of that just blows me away. Maybe that's what we need to get into. You and I as Americans that are not Mexican need to get into the fast food Mexican game and, and reinvent it. I think it, it needs some it needs some change for sure. Uh <laughs> fresh never frozen the Wendy's route. We're not freezing our things and 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 hoarding them away from you. No. Like this guy in Missouri. No, we're not doing that. Uh we're not from St. Louis, we don't uh, we don't uh, let our football team just run away like that and uh, and put that you know crappy Emo's pizza out there and all that and their St. Louis ribs, which hold nothing to the candle of any Kansas City barbecue. No, we don't roll like that. No, we'll do better than uh, than, than all those uh, St. Louis types. We'll produce a, a good fast food taco. That is the Tyler Jones promise. On that note, we will get out of here. Big thanks to David Starr for joining us. Definitely excited to launch the Let's Go Racing with David Starr podcast coming up in the coming weeks. And you're going to want to subscribe to that. It'll be on Apple and Spotify and Google Play. We will let you know when that is available and when the exact date is of the first episode. It will be here very, very soon. I can tell you that right now. And uh, this show, you can subscribe on uh, all podcast platforms uh you know apple spotify google play leave us a five-star review uh facebook.com forward slash toggler jones live toggler jones media group uh twitter at toggler jones live at uh tj media group at thomas underscore bridges instagram toggler jones live insta thomas jones underscore report you can find us there and we'll see you back here next week for two more editions of the jones report and uh, certainly we'll uh, be having a lot of fun this weekend out at Kent Speedway. I'll have uh, plenty of updates all weekend long, and we'll see you on the other side. Have a great weekend, everybody. For Thomas Bridges, 
and David Starr, along with Brian O'Connor. I'm Tyler Jones. So long. This has been another edition of the Jones Report. We'll see you next week.